This podcast is a production of WCWP, LIU Post Public Radio. Check out our lineup of original programs, listen live, or support by visiting WCWP.org. This is Review and Preview on WCWPSports.org. Good evening and welcome to Review and Preview. I am your host, Tom Scavetta. Join alongside James Montefusco, Chris Klimazuski, and our guest here for the second straight week, Kyle Earhart. Guys, how's it going? It's going good. Going good. good. Now, a couple of uh, (laughs) new features about tonight's show that we have to talk about. Um, As you know, we are still broadcasting on WCWPSports.org. You can call in with your... Thoughts, questions, comments at our call number 516-299-2030. Take part in our live show. And we have our Instagram account, and we are podcasting. The one change. Now, uh, WCWP Sports Talk and Sports Stream is no longer a thing, but WCWPSports.org still exists. How? Well, we are now linked to the My WCWP Stream, so you can click Listen Live or WCWP.org, and then... If you're trying to listen to us online, you can click on My WCWP Online and uh, My WCWP if you're listening on the app and then tune in directly to our show. Our production manager, Chris Maffei, did an awesome job with that for us last night. All right. Um, Wasting no more time here. Let's get to it. Madison Bumgarner, congratulations. His 1,500th career strikeout yesterday. I know Chris is a fan um, who, quite frankly, was out for majority of the season thus far. And with coming back with a bang, and you can just see how tight the National League West is right now. And those San Francisco Giants are right in the mix. Uh, really great to see guys. Um, and having Bumgarner back, and they've had another few good starters this season. The pitching rotation for the Giants is strong. But Madison Bumgarner deserves his um, um, accolade here today. Uh, Chris, talk about his impact on this ball club. I mean, Madison Bumgarner, he's, a pro, he's one of the top, when he's, when he's healthy at least, he's one of the top three pitchers, not only in the NL, but all of MLB. Madison Bumgarner is one of those guys you can, who you know can go out, pitch eight innings, and get, get you seven-plus strikeouts. I mean, he's probably, he's up there with Kershaw and Scherzer, in my thought. I mean, you, you've seen it day in and day out when he does pitch. It's it's a, a specta- uh, spectacle almost because he's just that good of a pitcher, and people love to see Madison Bumgarner pitching. I'm not even a Giants fan, and I would love I love Madison Bumgarner. I think he's the be- I think he's the best. James, now mm-hmm. San Francisco has been very successful over the last few years. Uh, they've won the World Series about every other year. Basically. <laughs> the, All those even years. Five or six years. Um, but last night, uh, arguably the best shortstop in the National League, who I think is hands down the best shortstop in the National League, uh, Brandon Crawford. Yeah, I'll, I'll say Javier Baez. Well, I said arg- arguably, though. <laughs> so there we have our argument for Javier Baez for uh, the Chicago Cubs. Now, um, the game-winning home run last night. That's his third career game-winning home run. And the question is this. We already got Chris's answer. But is Crawford the best shortstop in the National League? 
I mean, it's arguably. Uh, I don't know too much about him. I'm trying to pull some information up on him as I speak. On how, ooh, I'll get the stats up for you right in a second. Hold uh, off. Well, Chris he, makes he, an he, argument he, for Baez. Crawford currently leading the National League in all-star voting. And, uh, yeah, Javier Baez. He's hitting 279, 47 runs, 16 home runs, 56 RBIs, and 13 stolen bases. That's my man. Sounds like all-star wordy. That's my, my, that's my man's right there. My thing is this. Um, Baez and Crawford, I think we can agree on this. They're two of the top shortstops in the, in the National League. Both are great players. Uh, Crawford, a strong lefty. Nine homers, 36 ribbies on the season, and... His batting average is at 319. Mm-hmm. Um, realistically, if you're not a fan of any team in the National League West, you probably don't know too much about Brandon Crawford. Um, now, Javier Baez is part of a young, up-and-coming Chicago Cubs team. Um, talk about his impact a little bit and what you've seen from him. You've seen with Javier Baez and the Cubs, and just the Cubs in general, and the way they built their farm system and everything like that, Back when they were garbage, they were able to build with all these young players like Chris Bryant, Javier Baez, Edison Russell, uh, Alberto Alomar Jr., Ian Happ. You were able to build that, and you've seen Javier Baez grow much. Because when he first came up, he wasn't really spectacular. You knew he was a top prospect, but then he's really grown into his role on this Cubs team. I mean, he's no Anthony Rizzo or uh, Chris Bryant, but he's definitely playing that that third man role right there for them, and he's playing fantastic, and that's why the Cubs are one of the best teams in baseball right now. Mm -hmm. I think my argument for Crawford is that you look at his batting average the last few years. Now, he lurked around the 240s, 250s. I know one year he hit 275, but the uproar to now hitting nearly 320 is really a a monumental task for him and what he's done to uh, the San Francisco Giants ball club, who, quite frankly... They were shorthanded earlier this season. You know, you have Evan Longoria in and out of the lineup at third base. I don't know what you guys think about uh, his um, the way he's impacted this team. Well, Evan Longoria has always been class act. Always, I can, I'll never forget that home run he hit in the wild card game to uh, beat the Yankees, like right around the foul pole. He, the problem is, always, always gets injured. I feel like so. He's a he's a clutch guy when he comes up when when you need to be. But problem is he's he's kind of like David Wright, never can really stay on the field, never can stay healthy. But when he's on the field, he's arguably one of the best in the game. Like there's no doubt about it. I think his age is catching up to him with Longoria. I mean, you see, he was in 2008 was the rookie of the year and helped the the Rays get to that World Series. But but I think his because of his age and the way he's been playing these last couple of years. It's, it really has shown that he is, what, 32, 33 years old? I mean, he's getting up there, and he's got it. I think it's uh, – it just it's. I, I love Evan Longoria. He's one of my favorite players, but I think his play is definitely diminishing a lot too. Right, and um, another thing too that I've got to say about uh, the success around the majors right now, uh, the Astros, as we know last week, the first team to uh, – 50 wins. They had their 12-game winning streak snapped last week. Um, but they've been very impressive um, this season. You know, following up, there's kind of a curse sometimes behind a team that wins the World Series and what they're able to do that following year. 
um, pretty much in any sport, you know, whether it's the Super Bowl, the World Cup, which we'll get into a little bit later. Mm -hmm. uh, but right now, with the way Altuve's been playing, uh, the lineup top to bottom, Bergman, Springer, uh, overall, and the rotation as well. Look at McCullers. You know, really no-name guy last season. He comes up, and he's he's starting to blossom. He, he really is. I wouldn't even say McCullers, really. Charlie Morton has surprised everyone. I mean, he was really just a filling guy when he came up to the – when he was on the Astros last year, and now he he shined like a star in the playoffs last year, and, we, and he prototypically got the Astros to the World Series with it. That's particularly a Game 7 performance against the Yankees. And now he's – Definitely, I'll say top top end of pitchers right now in all of baseball. I mean, he's pitching lights out, and it's very hard to see. I mean, it's very rare to see a team like the Astros because you, from top to bottom, hitting to one to nine, fantastic, and even in even their rotation too. From one to four, I don't know who the fifth guy is in that rotation. But oh, um, Garrett Cole. Never mind. One through five. All good guys. This team, I mean, as much as the Yankees are good and everything, I really do think the Astros will go back to the World Series. And Tommy Mack, if you're still listening, because I know you probably are, you can write that down that I'll say the Astros are going back to the World Series this year. Now, another thing I must say about the way the Astros have been playing, they're really the competition right now for Boston and the Yankees. Mm -hmm. um, look, it... it, yep. it it's really a three-headed rate right now. A um, little uh, technical malfunction there. Um, but other teams that the trade deadline is coming up, other teams looking for strong arms, strong guys, can a return be looming for a guy like Adrian Beltre with the Boston Red Sox? I see it. I mean, even though the trade's coming, but if he's on the team and they feel that he has potential, maybe – if it may not be the starting role, but it may be out of the pen, may work. I'm thinking uh, by the trading deadline, Manny Machado will be dealt to a team that is desperate, especially in the AL, when you have like the offenses of the Red Sox, the Yankees, the Astros. There's definitely going to be a team out there who thinks they can beat them. Like the, Maybe the Mariners will make a shock trade to get Manny Machado. Like I know the Dodgers are... Clearly, the, right now, the contenders are the front runners of Manny Machado, but come the trade deadline, I think all bets are off. Uh, some teams will go all in, and Manny Machado's all in. He's a great player. I love Manny Machado. I mean, definitely top three hitter right now in baseball, right now, right now up there with Trout and Altuve. And, I mean, if I was the – I mean, I know the Orioles stink and everything like that, but if I was them, I would be – want. I would want the house. Like, I would want all their – I would want the whoever I'm trading with. I want prospects. I want star player in return, everything left and right. Just like if the Mets were to trade DeGrom or Syndergaard, I'd want everyone from them. So, like, I can see him going to the Red Sox. The Dodgers definitely have a lot of prospects they can send. But it, right now, a lot of good teams that are contending really don't have a lot of prospects, and it's only, like, a couple of teams like the Red Sox and the Dodgers who can send – a bunch of prospects to the Orioles for, for May Machado. So I think he'll be on the move. I think there'll be a couple pitchers be on the move to the Yankees, but we'll, we can talk about that later in our Yankees segment. And it's, I think it's going to be a very hectic uh, trade deadline when it, comes, when it comes around. Machado may go to a team like the Dodgers, as we discussed, um, a team in need 
Uh, Machado's a shortstop, right? A team in yeah. need of a shortstop because Seager's out for the year. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, and even when he comes back, too, next year, I know Machado's not uh, on contract for next year yet, but right. if he can get in with his team and like what he sees, he'll, he might want to sign back with the Dodgers. Right. And you have him and Seager, and I'm pretty sure Seager won't mind playing second base. And then that, and then look at that infield potentially for next year. You have Bellinger at first, Seager at second, Machado at short, and then Justin Turner at third. Don't forget about uh, Max Muncy. Max Muncy, yes, well, yes, Chris yes. Taylor also, who's not terrible. We should all know who Max Muncy is after Sunday, or this weekend, I should say, Saturday, <laughs> oh, yeah. Sunday. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. lead off home runs, oh, both games geez. for Muncy in yeah. the two hole. Might um, stink, but we'll yes. talk about how bad. <laughs> bad <laughs> right. Um, look. Beltre is one of the players on the Texas Rangers who might be dealt um, with a potential reunion in Boston. Can with the Phillies, if they keep uh, rising their stock, can there be a potential reunion with Cole Hamels? That's something to be really um, you know, something to a- analyzed. Because if you look at the Rangers' rotation right now, as silly as this will sound, their rotation is Cole Hamels, their second best pitcher is Bartolo Colon <laughs> as of right now. And look, Colon is three years removed from a World Series appearance, but, I mean, Cole Hamels is the clear ace of the Rangers staff, a team that's not going anywhere this year. Can the Phillies, a team that's trying to get their, self, their, their names out there in the race with Atlanta and Washington, can they land a deal with this uh, ace lefty? I don't think the Phillies should make any trades at all. Because you know, like look at the like the young studs are coming up from their farm system. Uh, look at the young studs they have on the field. I feel like giving anything away to for Cole Hamels unless it's cheap, I I I wouldn't touch it. If 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 it ain't broke, don't fix it. Phillies will be good in a couple of years. They're right on track right now. It won't make a difference even if the Phillies, like what Kai was saying, um, they're young and they have young talent below. Yeah. That why would you risk it now? Yes, I see the potential. Forty-two and thirty-six, two and a half out behind Atlanta right now. Right. Um, but at the same time, don't rush those young players into something and then get out. Have them mature for at least another season, and then during the off season, then maybe play with some trades. Right. Um, this is definitely. Um a thing to look at moving forward because there's going to be a lot of an- analyzing of who goes where, who gets dealt where, who's a seller, um, you know, who's shopping right now. Now, the Seattle Mariners are a team that should be shopping at the trade deadline, a team that has not done that in a while. Uh, yeah. They now have 50 wins on the season, uh, and their closer has been remarkable. Edwin Diaz, uh, first in the majors with 30 saves, He's really been the backbone of that bullpen. Uh, one of the top two closers, one of the top three closers in the American League right now, along with Chapman and Kimbrell, I believe. Um, and speaking of Kimbrell, shutting down the Angels last night, Red Sox back in first place. Right now, Boston is looking really good in this division, and Seattle is going to be right there all season long. They're they're gonna they're gonna, they're going to be right there along the top of the AL West down to the wire. I think um, these are two teams that you know really fly under the radar because a lot of people are talking Yankees Astros again. Mm-hmm. That's what everyone has on paper. I don't know. Seattle's that pesky net 
gnat that you can't swat away in the AL West, I feel like, towards the end of the season. Um, and then, yeah, everybody's talking about Yankee uh, a rematch, but I don't see that. This matter, I like you talk about Yankees. I mean, Yankees, Red Sox, Astros, all this going to the world, going into the playoffs. And I know it's still early too. And Tommy, you brushed on it for a hot second before Mar- the Mar. I love this Mariners team, up and down. I mean, if they can get, if they can add maybe a, another pitcher or two at the deadline, that could be a scary team because you know James Paxton's been their number one ace all year, right? And uh, Wade LeBlanc has been look has been looking good and he came out of the woodworks too but other sure than has. that other than that Felix Hernandez's game has diminished so hard and it's yeah. really sad to say too because Felix Hernandez was a top pitcher in this league probably the best pitcher at some yeah. point for um, for many years too right. he's done uh you have Mike Leake and some other scrub <laughs> so you need so i think this if this Mariners team wants a chance to even contend in the contend in the playoffs they got to find another pitcher because I know right now it probably if if the season ran today, they would make the playoffs and their three pitchers their three starting pitchers would be James Paxton, Wade LeBlanc, and Felix Hernandez. Right. It's not 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 the sexiest names on the board, but it would something they would have to work with. So I definitely think they have to deal with some people and get another pitcher in there. Speaking of dealing with uh, peoples and certain teams, another team in the American League that is back is the Cleveland Indians. Mm-hmm. Um, after lurking around 500, they are now nine games over again. Uh, Kluber was the first pitcher to 11 wins last week. Um, however, he did have his shortest career start on Tuesday. He gave up six runs and was taken out in the second inning against the Cardinals. So not something you want on your resume for a potential CY Young candidate, especially when your number two guy, Carlos Carrasco, is on the 10-day DL. Mm-hmm. So, and he's not supposed to come back until July 6th. So that's about a week away from now, a little over a week. Um, but the Indians have found the way. They've won eight out of their last ten. Yeah. They're atop the AL Central. They're the, only, they're, they're the only team that I think has a lock to win their division right now. Because you got the Yankees and the Sox in one, and then the Mariners and the, and the Astros in the other. If Cleveland doesn't clinch it, there's something wrong. Because right. they're eight and a half up right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, over any other team in their division. So at the same time, it's like, it's yours, you want it, it's on a gold platter for you. Yeah, I mean, the Indians have a, their yards in front of the Twins and Tigers. It's this Twins team, it's, it's not the same Twins, Twins team as last year. So, as much as maybe that was a fluke season last year, but Indians are definitely running away with this. The Red Sox and the Yankees, that's going to be one heck of a battle when it comes to September. Astros, Mariners are going to start heating up, and maybe the Angels might make a dramatic, dramatic comeback now that Otani's back in the lineup and pitching. Right. So it's going to be it's going to be a very interesting AL playoffs when it comes down to it, and a very interesting summer and fall. Now, Chris, James, Kyle, um, the AL is super competitive. Um, we haven't talked much about the National League yet, with the exception of the West, to start the show. But um, Otani, the Japanese superstar, um, has been cleared for batting practice. Yes, um, he has. As the Angels, uh, excuse me, as uh, the Angels look to uh, get back into contention, because right now they're only one game over 500. Yeah. And Trout, his his WAR, by the way, is incredible. Mm-hmm. It's re- it really. I'm pretty sure it's over six. Yeah. I, I love Otani. Alarming He's... numbers. And apparently Otani 
is going to come back as a DH before a pitcher. Hmm, so that's idea. what's um, worded right what now. Was his, what was his injury again? I, don't remember. I think it was in his hand. Oh, see, that's why. Yeah, yeah, most likely it was a pitching injury. Okay, yeah. So, sense, yeah no, but, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, but I, I love Otani. I love everything. I love how he's a great hitter. And he can pitch the ball very good too. So you, you yeah, lose. And I mean, at least since we've been all born, we've never seen a player like that. I mean, yeah, you've seen right. some some pitchers who can hit the ball good, like Dontre Willis, uh, Madison Bumgarner, uh, Roy Oswalt. Roy Oswalt hit the ball, and even Syndergaard hits the ball every now and again too. Right. But a player like Otani, we've never seen before, and this is very exciting because he might even change the game of baseball as we speak. I want to interrupt here. It was a ligament in his right elbow. Okay, yeah, see that yeah. makes sense. Why he why he uh, he sprained his ulnar collateral ligament. Yep. Now see, right if I was the Angels, personally, I as much as he is great baseball with it, if he can, if he might get keep injuring get, let me speak words for a second. If he keeps getting injured like that, especially in his throwing arm, he's I think he might be able to do this for the next couple of years. Sure. But at some point, he's going to have to pick either yeah. hitting or pitching because. Because you you put in a big investment into Otani, and he can't you can't keep getting him injured when he's right. when he's supposed, when he's a critical pitcher in your rotation, and a hitter in your lineup too. And this kid's only twenty three years old. He's a two way phenom, uh, and he's a dual threat. And we've seen what dual threats in sports have been able to do. We've seen it in the NFL, a guy like Michael Vick, and how his career mapped out. Hopefully, Otani does not go down the same path. Um, and the AL West super competitive right now. The Athletics just coming off an eight and two road trip, so definitely something to keep uh, an eye out for. Now, a guy we all know. We're going to wrap up this first segment with a guy that we all know. We're very familiar with him. He was just traded back in early May. <laughs> Matt Harvey. Uh, Bum. <laughs> has the Matt Harvey effect been the reason why the Reds have won twelve out of their last fifteen games? Matt Harvey. Has he pitched? I really haven't yeah, checked I haven't his stats. I know he pitched well Tuesday. I saw that. I was he, watching the game. Uh, yeah. Let me look up his stuff. He went six and two-thirds in his last start. Um, he looked very effective. And uh, Scooter Jeanette has been phenomenal. He's getting two to three hits a game. I know Chris loves uh, Scooter. Love me some Scooter Jeanette, baby. Him and uh, Ozzie Albies, really uh, the two top second basemen right now in the, in the NL. All right, so uh, let's see what we got. Is... Three wins, five losses, a 5.28 ERA, 17 games. Uh, innings pitch is 75. Strikeouts, 54. So he's won his last two starts. I remember. Uh, I think he was 1 and 5 when he left yeah, the Mets. I think yeah. it was either last week or the week before we were sitting here. Matt Harvey was 1 and 5. Yeah. So since 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 it looks like joining the Red um the Red Sox the Reds he's only <laughs> let he's let up a to- he's had four starts, let up 13 runs, 13 strikeouts. I mean, it's not the worst. Right. But it's, it's not, not vintage Matt Harvey. Yeah, though. it's not vintage. Yeah, you, it's not. You'll, you'll, yeah, you'll never see it again. You'll never see no. it again. And when we get to the Yankees, I want to talk about Matt Harvey just for a tiny bit because I have some little knowledges, hopefully, about sure. it. But Matt Harvey, no, I do not do not think the Matt Harvey effect has is what caused the, the, Red, the Reds to win the last 12 out of 15. Matt Harvey stinks. And he'll never, and I can't wait to burn his jersey. I'm surprised I haven't done it yet. Wow. <laughs> Some very strong words there by Chris. Um, on that note, we're going to step aside for a quick break. That'll end our first segment. When we come back, 
we are going to discuss the MLB All-Star lineups briefly and then talk about the rotting apple that is of Flushing, New York in the New York Mets. You're listening to Review and Preview here on WCWPSports.org. Welcome back to Review and Preview, folks. I'm your host, Tom Scavetta. Join alongside my two co-hosts, Chris Klimazuski, James Montefusco, and our guest here, Kyle Earhart, for the second straight week. Um, let's go over, we talked about what's hot around the MLB. Let's finish up um, on the updated All-Star rosters. Uh, just about everything has remained stagnant. Uh, there has not been much movement. Um, the AL is still the same nine as we talked about last week. Um, in the infield, you have Jose, Abre- Jose Abreu, right? And you have Jose Ramirez. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at, trying to remember here quick, at first base, it's Abreu. Second base, it's Jose Altuve. Shortstop, Manny Machado. Third base is Jose Ramirez. The catcher is Wilson Ramos. Outfield left to right, Mookie Betts in left, Mike Trout in center. Aaron Judge in right, and the DH is J.D. Martinez. So mm-hmm. what I see from that, a lot of teams represented. I know the Red Sox have two players in there, but um, other than that, there's about eight teams represented, um, and that does not include the uh, starting pitcher. Um, who may start this All-Star game? Could it be Luis Severino? I think he deserves it. Uh, Corey Kluber definitely in the conversation, but that last start does not help his case. Um, I think he'll be an All-Star regardless. Carrasco's a guy you got to consider. Chris Sale. Yeah. A lot of good pitchers in the American League. Um, are we still all intact with this lineup? Do we agree um, on most, if not all, of these uh, first-place vote-getters so far? James? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't see anything wrong. I, I like how you said there's eight teams represented, so it's not like one group of teams that's uh, all jammed in. Um, but I, I agree. I don't see a problem with it at all. What about you, Kyle? Yeah, just looking at looking uh, at the AL, honestly, everyone on that everyone on that roster is just it's going to be a beast anyway. And the starters starters are a beast. Can't argue any of them. Manny Machado is a beast. You got J- JD Martinez, DH is a beast. Aaron Judge, we all know what he can do. Yeah, honestly, I think everything's correct with the roster so far. Now, the National League guys, um, we went over this last week. The National League is pretty much the same as well. I'm trying to see if there's any changes. Um, it's still left to right in the outfield. Nick Markakis mm-hmm. uh, on his way to his first All-Star game. Matt Kemp and Bryce Harper. And then in the infield, it's still Freddie Freeman, Ozzy Albis, Brandon Crawford, Nolan Arenado, and then the catcher is Buster Posey. So there has been zero movement uh, amongst the first-place folk-getters. Do we agree? I think Cabrera should be up in there. Estrubel? Yeah. Mm. I mean, a little bit. Um, over, over Crawford? You mean over Albies? Yes, over Albies. Maybe. Um, I don't know how many votes he has, but... I, I mean, I see how many votes Albies has. I don't know right. about Cabrera. Well... But at the same... I mean, I would hope he makes the team. Cabrera is currently ranked fourth among second basemen, and the three above him, I think, are where they deserve to be. 
um, Albie, Spies, and Jeanette. You can make an argument for maybe Jeanette over Baez, or as Chris would say, Baez over uh, Albies. I'm with Chris on that. I think Baez over Albies all day. Yeah. I'll take Baez. Um, it's Albies. It's his first full season in the league, I believe. So definitely something to look out for there. The second base vote is close between Albies and uh, Baez. Now at third, Arenado is running away with it right now with Chris Bryant behind him. Shortstop, no no discussion. Brandon <laughs> Crawford is there. The outfield, eh, that this is where it gets competitive. You got Harper and Markakis who are the clear top two, and then you got Matt Kemp at third, and then Charlie Blackman right behind. So Blackman is the fourth ranked outfielder right now in the National League, and for the Mets' sake, playing in Coors Field last week, uh, Blackman <laughs> mm-hmm. deserves to be there. Uh, he really does. Except for that one start against the Grom, Blackman was killing it all series. Yep. Uh, no shocker. And then in for catcher, Posey and Contreras, pretty close. So, uh, yeah, I think Albies may be the one guy that we have some mixed opinions about with Baez and Jeanette uh, right behind. But um, my question is this. Could Reese Hoskins be making a push to crack the top five for the Phillies? That's my question because he's been very impressive, and he's been, been part of the reason why the Phillies have been even in some type of playoff discussion this season, you know? I don't know what you guys think about Hoskins and his impact. I think Reese Hoskins is the best player on the Phillies that, that this season. Um, for me, Bryce Harper should not be in the All-Star game. I know he's got a lot of home runs, a lot of RBIs, but his average Bryce is Harper so bad. Bryce stinks. Ex- he exactly. does not deserve an All-Star spot. He's having a terrible season, and if he really wants to get paid $400 million at the end of the season, he's, he, he's got to play better. He stinks, he stinks, he stinks. Even with no beard, he still stinks. <laughs> Yeah, so for me, honestly, I think Charlie Blackman should be uh, over Bryce Harper, but I think Reese Hoskins should really be in that discussion. I, I We all in the studio should be over Bryce Harper for the All-Star yeah. game. He is not having a good season. It's just, no. it's crazy. Like, he, yeah, I get it. He's got the home runs and the RBIs. But when you're batting less than 210. How do you how, make it? Exactly. Like, I get you're Bryce Harper. You're the name. This is why I, me, I mean, my friends always talk about this. Fan voting for All-Star Games is is not good. It's not good because mm-hmm. you have, like, bad players like this making All-Star Games when they don't deserve it. And you even saw it in the NBA a couple of years, uh, like five, six years ago, whenever Kobe was still playing. The man didn't step foot on the court that year and was still leading in All-Star, the All-Star team. How does that happen? Like... I just like ugh, it's it's a pain to watch, but this is how it's set up, and I get it because people want to see who they want to see in the in the All Star game. But Harper does not deserve this hard, n- not even a hard take. He just just does. He, I just just mm, yeah just, yeah exactly. Uh, no no words to describe. He's barely hitting over two hundred. By yeah. the way. So um. So he's hitting two nineteen. That's what he said. Yeah. I don't know. How you guys feel about this? But would you want to see maybe like a Christian Yelis, Larzonzo, Kane, or a dual Herrera at all on the field during the All Star game? I would if they're playing good, up to snuff, and better than Bryce Harper, then they deserve it. Honestly, because I'm looking, I'm looking at this right now. I know Blackman's having a better season. I know Acuna's having a better season. I know Inciarte's having a better season. All these guys right. having way better seasons. Even Lorenzo, I no. You know who deserves that spot? Lorenzo Cain. Lorenzo Cain is playing out of his mind this mm-hmm. year. Even in Milwaukee too, he's 
I don't know his stats off the top of my head, but I know he's playing fantastic because he's on my fantasy team. (laughs) (laughs) On that note, uh, (laughs) we will transition into the Mets. Oh, God. The New York Mets. Stink. Rotting, (laughs) the rotting apple, they call them. Um, Very sad news about the GM, Sandy Alderson. Uh, He is taking a medical leave to address his health uh, and his cancer. He is... He was the Mets GM from 2010 to 2018. Um, when he joined the ball club back in 2010, the team was in turmoil uh, under the reign of Jerry Manuel and <laughs> Omar Minaya. It was not good. Minaya is back, but in a lesser role now. Everybody's back still. Right, but now he, he's going to share the duties along with two others. Duties. So, yeah. <laughs> but the players support all... Alderson, uh, he's doing the right thing, addressing his health. And the press conference was a little emotional. He was almost like blaming himself for the team's struggles, which very humble guy. I mean, to to admit his wrongdoings and what he's done. But look, when you have a health issue like that, I don't. He didn't have to do all that. You know, it's not just him. Like, yes, he he's the general manager. He's a huge part of the reason why the team is thirty-two and forty-six right now because he he helped put this team together. Essentially, yeah. Look how bad it is. I mean, look, I get it. I, I he, I, I feel bad for him because he's going through this whole cancer thing, and I get it. And it's funny too because, well, it's not funny, but the day before he this announcement came up, I called into ESPN Radio, and I was just trashing how bad Sandy Alderson as a manager, and I can't wait for him to get fi- how I can't wait for him to get fired. Next day, this this news comes out, I'm like, oh wow, I'm a, you know what? So, right. but I re I, like, it's almost. It's it's almost good he's not doing this right now because this team is garbage. Right. Like he put this team together, and I get you going with that. It's really sad. I understand that completely. Like I'm not being cynical here, but as a fan, he's he's just stunk it up. As a GM, he did. You could say on on his on his hand, you can you can count in your hand how many moves he did good for this franchise. He did the Noah Syndergaard trade, which wasn't even the Noah Syndergaard trade. It was the Travis Darno trade. People forget that Darno was the big piece in that trade. And, but we ended up getting Noah Syndergaard out of that deal, so that was good. You traded for Cespedes, but you can't even say that's good because he's played just a little bit over fifty percent of the games he's been with the Mets. Right. And dra- and drafting and drafting uh, Nimmo and Conforto. Nimmo's been the only bright spot in this team, and Conforto's starting to show some life a little bit mm-hmm. too. But mm-hmm. again, you can't bank on those because, and those are the, really the only four other moves he's made. What what is he going to say? Oh yeah, he brought in Estrubo Cabrera. He's having one. He's had. He's had. He's played good for the Mets. Yeah, but that's really it. You brought. You signed Adrian Gonzalez. Stink. You signed Jason Vargas, which didn't make any sense. You signed um, Jose Reyes back. Garbage. Jay Bruce. I understood why he signed back. So I'm not. I'm not totally upset with that. But he just stinks. Mm-hmm. And Todd Frazier. Understood why he signed Todd Frazier. So I understand that completely. But you have these other guys like Reyes, Gonzalez, Gonzalez. Terrible move. He's off this team. That's how bad he stinks. Hmm. So, like, I mean, I yes, I'm, I do. I do feel bad for Sandy, but I'm. I am happy he's not running this team anymore. I have three moves that I think all the sin that made were awful, different from Chris's. Um, the eight-year extension for David Wright in 2012. 
made little to no sense at the time. Well, well at the time, he, David Wright was playing great. He wasn't injured. He wasn't getting injured. Right, I, mean, but I think eight years is a bit much. Yeah, but you I mean you just lock him up just to be sure? Because well, how old is he? Thirty five right now? Thirty six? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Somewhere around there. Yeah. So I mean, he's got three years left on the contract, and uh, he looked like he was playing. He was going to be playing good. So I mean, I understood the contract. It, yeah, it's biting us in the butt now, and we need David Wright to retire. But <laughs> I mean. I, but I mean, yeah, it is a bad move now down the line. Two other moves that I still don't like either. Um, one is uh, letting Murphy walk in free agency. That should never happen. The third move that I will never get over was uh, letting Justin Turner walk. Uh, actually, I think they designated him for assignment. That's even worse. And now look at him. Justin Turner, the game-winning home run on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And I'll even elaborate off those two. Yeah, I when we didn't sign Turner back in what 2012, 2011, it stunk because you almost because he's he grew up in front of our eyes as a utility player, just a prototypical backup. But when he was playing, he was playing good, and that just like showed a little bit of life for the Mets. And now he goes over to L.A. and he he shines like a star, something he couldn't do on the Mets. And I understood that too. And then Murphy, you can't blame Murphy for leaving. I mean, he took the bigger contract from the to the Nationals, and that's it. it hurt us too because now he's playing fantastic baseball, MVP caliber like status. But I, you you can't blame him for we shouldn't we should have offered him a bigger contract, shouldn't have not let him walk. But you can't blame Murphy for going to the Nationals with the bigger contract. Right. Um, moving on. Well, let's talk about Sunday's game. <sighs> We don't know Jerry Blevins is starting until two hours elapsed before game time. And Mickey Calloway is just confusing. And I'll explain why in a moment. He literally goes up to Blevins, asks him to start. Blevins thought he was joking. And then Blevins accepted it with open arms. So Sunday's mission was to get everybody out of the bullpen to pitch two innings. Right? Just burn our bullpen even more. Right. Blevins, last second, making his first career start. Uh, gives up two home runs, the first two batters he faces. Uh, but then he gave up nothing after that, so he kind of settled down. Uh, it's just super confusing. You had Kike Hernandez and Max Muncy, I was at the game, hit back-to-back home runs. Um, if I knew the result would be the Dodgers blowing the Mets out, I would have uh, left in the first inning to beat the traffic. But, um, look, <laughs> Blevins settled down. Uh, and Ro- the good news was that Ro- Hansel Robles was de- uh, designated for assignment the night before. And that was a day you could have used him. And that was the day he also got blown up and lost the game for the Angels. He um, would have blown up in front of us anyway. Right. So. He gives up the game-winning home run to Kendris Morales on Sunday. Uh, thank goodness Robles is off the team. <laughs> I don't know how many stand. chances Robles got on this team from yeah, Callaway this year. He got infinite chances on this team. And... He kind of did deserve it almost because in the World Series, in the playoffs, he pitched He pitched great. He looked great, and it was just like, okay, look, we have this young reliever who, who can possibly be almost a, great, a long-term reliever for us, and he just ends up. Right. Like, basically, we had the door wide open, and he just did not walk through it. Like, he had every opportunity to make himself great on this team, and he just stunk. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing about the bullpen that is completely unacceptable um, look, I understand Vargas hits the DL, but uh, to call Chris Flexen back after sending him down Friday night, th- this is a huge issue when you have your AAA team on the other side of the country in Vegas. 
Um, it's just mind-boggling to me. Uh, Flexen has to catch four flights to get to New York. Uh, Gary Cohen and Keith were talking about it, how Flexen had to catch four flights to enter in the 11th inning and lose the game for the Mets. Unacceptable. Um, and he gets sent down again on Monday. <laughs> and uh, it's just unbelievable. His confidence just must be shot at this point. You know, getting sent down so many times, getting brought up. Oh, we're going to send you down again. That's great for his confidence. Yeah. He's, uh, like this, I just don't understand what's going on with this Mets team. And now we have three general managers running the helm, which is fantastic. I love it so much. <laughs> it, it, I just, I like. That was sarcasm, folks. Yeah, for those who couldn't tell, <laughs> that was big sarcasm. And people are asking, saying, "Oh, whose fault is it? Is it the Wilpons? Is it Alderson? Is it Mickey Callaway?" I don't think it's Mickey Callaway's fault because he, there's only so much he can work with when you have such a crappy team. I do uh, again. I'm. I'm not being cynical here. I really do think it was all Sandy Alderson's fault because he had X amount of money. He could have went out inside Lorenzo Cain. He could have went out and got Mike Moustakis, uh, uh, Eric Hosmer. They were, there were the names out there. He just chose to spend his money on the on Jason Vargas, Adrian C- Gonzalez, Cespedes. Cespedes, Jose Reyes, all of these bums who we could have – I would have taken Eric Hosmer – Instead of Adrian Gonzalez, Todd Frazier, Ashubal Cabrera, Jay Bruce, I would have taken that one guy instead of these four guys. Because at least when we would have known, we would have some hitters. And then we can say, oh, if it's the young guys we brought up, oh, Cicchini can't hit because he's not ready, or Ty Kelly is this, or less and that, and everything like that. I was just, right. I'm just mind-bottled by like the decisions. And I knew it. I knew it. I went back on my word after the Mets were 12 and 2, I was like, you know what? I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Nope. I was right. I'm a genius. I should be running this. I should be running the Mets. And to add to the uh, <laughs> sending up and down, Luis Guillorme was sent down on Tuesday. He's, it's, here's, wait, okay. here he goes. The, the, here he goes. No, he, again, I'm going to defend Ch- Gavin Ciccini for my li- for the rest of my life because the man is batting over just over, maybe over 290 in AAA. Guillorme stinks. Why do, are we not giving Gavin Ciccini a chance? Or even Ty Kelly. Bring him up. What do we have to lose at this point? Jose Reyes is garbage. Ahmed Rosario isn't playing up to his potential. Todd Frazier is being playing like Todd Frazier. And we don't know who plays first base. Because it's certainly not it's certainly not Dom Smith. Jay Bruce will refuse to play first base. And Wilmer Flores is it. And he can only come in and he can only play when a lefty's on the mound. You forgot Kevin Pawaki. Ooh! <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Kevin Plowecki. Again, and that's another thing, too. We got Devin Mazzarocco, which wasn't a bad idea because Darno stinks. I thought Darno should be on this te- off this team two years ago. But, I'm, again, that's why I'm not running this team. Um, Kevin Plowecki is just – he's yeah, – yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. We know. Uh, look, yes, he hits the three-run bomb on Sunday to tie the game. Uh, good moment for him. However, it was short-lived. He overall he is not produced the way one may have thought, yeah. and you know he's second on the catching depth chart right now, and there's good reason as to why. Um, look, Sunday was a disaster. Uh, former Met Justin Turner puts the icing on the cake. The solo shot, a guy who didn't even start the game, quite frankly. Um, Turner came in to pinch hit in the eighth inning and stayed in the game. Um, 
Dodgers win 8-7 in 11 innings. Uh, Mets give up a club-high seven home runs at home. Did you see Mickey Callaway's comment? Yeah. I understand how that's acceptable. No. But, you know, whatever. Um, I'm just la- I'm looking at the depth chart. This is the funniest. <laughs> you know what? You don't buy tickets to go see baseball at City Field anymore. This is a comedy show because uh, it's just so funny. This is what the Mets are throwing out there. Dom Smith is in left field. There's four guys in the rotation. Not five. Four. What are they doing? It's just comical at this point. Is Matt this- number two? Mats is number two. Wheeler is three, who pitched great the other day. And yeah. last, last night, last actually. Night, he night. Night. And still pitched. didn't get the win. And Oh, my God. I go on days talking about how the Mets are bad because they gotta, they just got to fix it. I really don't know what it's going to do. It's, you, know, yeah. it's, you know, it's going to take trading Syndergaard to Grom, and it's really sad to say that mm-hmm. because the Mets have no uh, farm system. They have a couple of guys who can play good. You have... Peter Alonso. You have this 18-year-old shortstop from, I think, Venezuela or something like that. You have uh, Peterson, who was who we drafted last year, supposed to be really good, and Justin Dunn. Right. Those Peterson and Dunn are still still to prove themselves, and Peter Alonso is playing great. I can't mm-hmm. wait to see him in the Mets uniform. Me too, with Tim Tebow. Just kidding. Just yeah. kidding. Just kidding. I, 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 <laughs> honestly, I will not mind Tim. Te- I never thought these words would come out of my mouth. <laughs> Let's bring Tim Tebow up. At oh, least should. he'll bring fans. But that's what I was just going to say. He's going to bring fans. He'll bring fans. I would love to see Tim Tebow. <laughs> he, he that's should, the only way they'll make money this year. He should be playing uh, left or right field right now for the Mets, with the way this roster is going. Yeah, an- an- another lefty. Uh, that's what they need too. Breaking news: The Mets AAA team will be. Move to Syracuse next year. So, a good move. I'm happy yeah. about that. Uh, very happy move. about that because you won't be uh, a guy like Chris Flexen who probably had jet lag coming in the 11th inning. That's another thing too with the uh, 51s in over there in Las Vegas. I know I know I, I've never seen a game <laughs> from my life, but what I've heard right. is that the um, the P- PCL league over there is a huge hitters ballpark. Yeah. Over, it's huge hitters, so. That's why when you, you see guys like Ciccini and Ty Kelly who are hitting like three three hundred or something like that over there, and they come up to the thing and they just stink. So I mean, yeah. it's not it's not really surprising that Rosario and isn't really playing up to his potential because he mm-hmm. played in a hitter's ballpark. It's like playing in Yankee Stadium almost. Well, Rosario is only twenty two and he yeah, needs, love, he I'll, needs time to find himself, which is why Jose Reyes is playing right now, bomb. giving Rosario a little Get, uh, yeah, Reyes off this team. But, Reyes was supposed to groom him to to be a shortstop. He hasn't groomed him in any fashion than being right. sitting but on the top of the steps while the game's going the on. The word of mouth right now is they want Rosario to work on his approach. Uh, Send him down. Tuesday, the Mets win for Sandy. Um, it's the only game that they've won over the last week. Uh, they win 4-3 to three late. The Wilmer Flores feel-good story for Wilmer. Uh, third walk-off hit this season, bottom of the 10th inning. Wilmer, the three-RBI night. He's been a great source of offense, um, even hitting out of the cleanup spot, which I don't know why he's there, but apparently nobody's better right now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The Mets snapped their seven-game losing streak. Wilmer Flores now has nine career walk-off RBIs. That's tied for the first in mess in uh, New York Mets history I was, with when, David Wright. When I saw that the other day, I'm like, this guy is the clutchest guy I've ever seen, honestly. <laughs> because he, he'll hit the home run, he'll hit, but in clutch situations too, though. So, I mean, if you're asking Wilma Flores to come up in a clutch situation like that, you can almost, not almost guarantee, but you can be, you, there's, you can be like, oh, okay, good, Wilma Flores is up. We might win this game. 
Meanwhile, when it's Jury's Familia, on the other hand, well, I'll sweat. I I can I'll talk. I'll bash the Mets every day of my life if I have to because you can. It just can. Right. Familia. Like I'm sitting in my internship last night. We had the game on in the studio too. I saw a man was on first. Um, I told I told everyone in the studio. I'm like, this game is over. Because it's literally if Familia doesn't get the guys out one two three, he gets so he gets nervous. He gets something or whatever, and it makes. I I lose my I will I'm 22 years old people and I literally almost have a heart attack every time I watch the Mets play because it's just so agitating because they they literally had th- up three one three to one this is where your closer is supposed to come in and dominate it and Familia years ago a couple of years ago did he looked like a top closer in the league now he's garbage and i can't wait for him to be traded he needs to be traded what needs to happen i think the rest of the season peterson should be pitching the eighth inning mm-hmm. and giselman should be pitching the ninth. Mm-hmm. that's my personal take on it and we'll get to peterson in just a few moments yes james what about giselman last night didn't they who who do they leave in too long yeah, you're right. They oh, left in too long. I, 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 no, they left Familia in too long. When it was first and third, 3-1, nobody out. When clearly he was hanging curveballs, hanging sliders, Familia, take him out of the game, man. I don't know how many times I need to see a hanging slider from Familia just get ripped into center field or left field. He takes out he he, he uh, takes out Gazelman right away when he lets up a run when runner on first and then Peterson comes in and gets a double play ball you know like one bang like all right maybe the Mets can win this game and they see Familia coming in the ninth do what Familia does best and just blow another save yeah, yeah. which he's done a lot lately um, a lot majority this season uh, you need to take a bare aspirin before you watch him uh, Familia come in oh my God it's so agitating watching him play because it's like I just said. You know he he's good when it's one two three, lights out. He's fantastic, but the minute he gets someone on, or it's not a safe situation, he turns. Right. It's like he's the worst pitcher you've ever seen. And then he what he I think was I think he tied up the game last night or let up all those runs. And then he praises praises God like he did something good. No, you stunk. Don't it's praise sad. God. God did not help you there. It's don't very ask. Sad. <laughs> um, it's very sad to watch right now because Zach Wheeler pitched seven shutout innings, seven Ks, no runs, five hits. Um, look, and his start got blown up. And this is the story all year. Look, Familia's had an awful week, by the way. Let's talk about Tuesday for a second. At the end of that game, first of all, Jose Bautista is leading off for the Mets. <laughs> leading off, Jose Bautista, thirty-seven <laughs> years old, the oldest guy on the team. He's pushing forty. He's oh le- le- leading off. Okay. That's too funny. Um, not to digress any further, um, the uh, start by Mats Tuesday was great. Uh, seven innings. Well, it wasn't great. It, it was respectable. Seven innings pitched, seven strikeouts, the three runs. But when Familia comes into the game in the eighth inning, I've got to say, he just lost his cool. That one slide with Josh Harrison when he slid into Estrubel Cabrera, that was a good slide. It, it's, it's, a good, it's a good play. It's a smart play. So he can prevent Cabrera from turning the, the double play. Not dirty in any way. He had no harmful intentions behind it. And then Familia starts barking at him. Play the game the right way. Play it the right way. Why are you putting a target on yourself? And then the bench is clear. And then Mickey Calloway, yet again, maybe it was a good thing. Maybe it was a good thing. I, I kind of, at the moment, I kind of agreed with what Mickey Calloway said. Uh, because this team needs a spark. And maybe Familia was like, all right, maybe this is my opportunity to get a spark in this team. Well, clearly, obviously, it didn't work. Didn't come out last night. Didn't win last night. 
that one they won Saturday night, uh, they won Wednesday night, uh, Tuesday night, but didn't come out last night, lost again. Mm-hmm. So I guess the spark, the maybe it's not a good thing anymore. Yeah. Um, again, I've got to say, um, yeah, um, maybe it was a good thing we cleared the benches. I think it's more like the guessing behind it. Like he's not sure how to approach a situation as a coach. I think yeah. it was definitely a good thing that that happened. Probably the best thing that happened to the Mets all week besides the walk-off by Wilmer. Um, but that wraps up Tuesday. And then Wednesday, Nimmo returns, goes 0 for 4. Thank goodness his MRI was clean. He got hurt yeah. in Sunday's game. Um, and then Wheeler, the spoiled gem with Familia. Mets had a 3-1 lead. Uh, no pun intended to the Golden State Warriors there. Um, <laughs> and they blow the lead, lose 5-3. Swarzak gets credited with the blown save. Should be familiar. Uh, right, but he, uh, Swarzak came in relief and then let the runners score. I can't wait to the trade deadline. I really can't. I want to see what the Mets do. I, it's just. If they buy, I may slam my head against the wall. Hold no. on. It, it gets better. 35 year old David Fries. David Fries, former, I think he's a former World Series MVP. Former everything, I feel like. He was on like, every team. The two run single teams. off of J. Roos Familia. But he's 35 years old, and he's coming into this situation. I'm pretty sure he didn't even start the game. But he still comes in, ice cold out of nowhere, and gets the go-ahead two-run single. Here, I got a question for you guys. If I heard this on the, I think it was either today when I was listening to ESPN Radio or yesterday, someone called in and was just like, would you trade Amin Rosario and a couple of, go- a couple of other guys for Manny Machado? I said yes. Sign me up for that any day of the week. If we're somehow getting Machado and if we're trading Rosario, yeah, it stinks. But I'd rather have, I'd much rather have Machado than Rosario right now. Todd Frazier clearly stated he does not want the Mets to sell at the deadline. But however, he's seeing one perspective of it. The fans and the organization is seeing a completely different perspective. Well, Todd, Todd Frazier, he's a great guy. That's why we brought him in. He brought, came in to be like a leader in this locker room. Right, and that's what he has to say. Yeah, yeah. yeah he yeah. has yeah. to say that. He's not going to say, yeah, let's trade everyone. I can't wait for this team to be gone. Hey, hey, hey. Like, <laughs> he's not going to say that. He's gonna be, right now, he's taking on the role of this, the captain of this team, honestly, because he's yeah. the he older guy in this team. And we weren't, as Mets fans, seeing the, seeing the uh, Mets sign him, we all knew he wasn't going to hit for he wasn't going to hit 270 and anything like that. We knew he was going to hit like 220 at most with right. like 20 home runs, and we were fine with that. Matt's mm-hmm. fine with that because he came in, we brought him in to be a locker room guy. So I'm not, I don't knock what Frazier's doing at all right now, but I think we have to sell at the deadline, and it's you're going to see guys like mm-hmm. Familia gone. You're going to see Swarzak gone. You're going to see uh, a Struble. A going to be gone. And if someone really wants to take Jay Bruce off our hands, I really hope he's gone. Because mm-hmm. this... Well, I think it's hard for Bruce this year because he's hurt. Yes, he's yeah. not producing, but he's been hurt all season, to be fair. Yeah, you but know? so, I mean, so so is Nimmo. Nimmo's been hurt for the last couple of weeks, too, and I don't see... Uh, I don't, he's been playing fine. Well, he hasn't been hitting great since he's gotten hurt. Yeah, he's been hit, hitting around the 200 mark. I last seven games. The, I think the biggest surprise if when we do sell, or if we do sell... I think it wouldn't. I think we may see Nemo go. Mm. No, see, I don't think no. we because we, the reason we didn't get McCutcheon or or Lorenzo Kane at the beginning of the season during the offseason was because we had so much faith in Nemo. Mm-hmm. So if we weren't trading, the, we weren't get, uh, 
we weren't trading him then. What makes I don't think we're going to trade him that uh, at the deadline. If any outfielder I think goes that's on the roster right now, I think it's got to be Conforto. There's still some value in Conforto. He's not playing up to snuff right now, and you can, and you can get a little bit out of him. And you got the Mets have to restart somehow. This team they have to re- put they have to press the restart button because we are this is not a win now team. This is not a win now team. You have to press the restart button, and it's gonna t- it's. I, I, the, the, it, they're going to end up trading DeGrom or Syndergaard, one of the two. I, I prefer in, the Familia-Cabrera duo. But oh, my thing yeah. is, F- Familia has little value this season. Who's yeah. going to want somebody like the Angels took a, a gamble on Hansel Robles and it bit them in the butt right now? It, it, I can tell you Familia is going to go to a team who needs a setup man. Not a closer, a setup that, man. Yeah. Kind of like a J.J. puts, kind of like what we had. Except, kind of like yeah. that, kind of like with Addison Reed almost, like yeah. what we had with Tyler Clippard when we brought them in. And the, that's who's going to need Familia. Clifford was a nutcase. <laughs> because the teams that are, are playoff contentions right now, you get, he's going to go to a playoff contender team, too. He's going to go right. to, um, who knows, maybe the, I don't think the Brewers would need him, maybe the Cubs, you send him over there, you send, right. him out, send him out west. Uh, you even you send him to the Red Sox, maybe, help uh, have him set up for Kimbrel. That will be a filthy. And you would, honestly, if the, if the Red Sox were to give us Jackie Bradley Jr. for Familia, I'd say sign me up for that. I'll take Jackie Bradley Jr. for that. Right. Now, the Mets bullpen, you talked about Familia. One guy, very impressive, we mentioned his name earlier, was Tim Peterson. Very impressive since his call-up. Uh, maybe pitch him in the later innings. We've talked about that. He quietly got the win Tuesday night. That was kind of overshadowed by the whole Sandy thing and um, the, uh, Wilmer walk-off. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's been good, 1.59 ERA in eight appearances so far. Uh, he's been very impressive, and quite frankly, he's going to be a consistent face in this bullpen the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. You know, you see new faces every week. It's Flexen, it's Jerson Batista, it's Robles, it's Drew Smith, and now Bachelor as well, all new faces in the bullpen. They rotate guys in and out too much. There's no model of consistency. No. Tim Peterson needs to be that guy right now, along with Giselman, to get these guys together. And, you know, make what's a weakness turn into something that's more respectable because right now it's embarrassing mm-hmm. when you have a two-run lead in the ninth inning and you have nobody you can rely on to save the game for you. Yeah, and, and like you said, you, you can only pitch Peterson and Giselman X amount of times it's in a week, too. one step forward, eight steps back. Yeah. yeah. The Mets blow so many leads. If they can just have one decent guy that can come in and quietly get guys to go down one, two, three. One, two, three, even if it's not one, two, three, because the better bullpen pitchers are guys that can get into trouble and get out of trouble. Familia is not that guy. He gets into trouble. Neither is Jerry Blevins. Jerry Blevins is a guy that needs he to come stinks. in for a couple of batters. <laughs> yeah. Here, here, wait, let me throw my two cents in about this the reliever. The, uh, one, one point I want to make the new guy, you talk about new guys, Tim Peterson getting called up and everything. This kid, Drew Smith, is looking great, I think. I think he's going to. Not flourish, but I think he's going to hold his own. He wasn't on this. bad Sunday. He was not bad. The two the two games he's pitched, he hasn't been beat. He's right. he pitched one inning in each in each of the two times he's been with one strikeout. So mm-hmm. I'm not mad. Not mad with that. I think he he's going to hold his own. I think he's going to be on this roster for the rest of the year. And now we you mentioned uh, having that pro, uh, guy like that in the bullpen. What I thought the Mets were going to do at the beginning of the season when they signed Jason Vargas. I thought that Zach Wheeler was going to go to the bullpen for for the long time. I didn't think it was. That's what everybody thought. Everyone thought that, yeah, because there was a there was a rumor when he was originally coming back that he was going to go to the bullpen right away and just stay in the bullpen, be like a setup man closer role. But he's not. He still he uh, stayed in the starting role. And he hasn't had a terrible season. He's just inconsistent. Right. Well, I think that came about because of Matt Harvey if he was playing well. Yeah. Right. 
But. So I mean, but he's not, and look what how happened. Look, look how that was. Maybe you build a bullpen around Gazelman and the other guy. Yeah, uh, Peterson. Peterson. Yeah. Look, the Mets have lost seven out of their last eight. They're on their heels right now. They're moving back, not in the direction they want to go. Can they turn us around? Sure, they can. But they have the worst record. Their last sixty-five games, some they're twenty-one and forty-five. That's the worst record since their eleven and one start. Uh, that is not good. They're losing two out of every three games on a consistent basis. That's the problem. And, you know, you can win a few games here and there, but they're playing Miami this weekend. And just to preview that series, you have DeGrom going uh, Friday, 5-3. and three. Mm-hmm. should be 10-3, and 10-2. and two. 1.69 ERA will open a four-game road trip, uh, five games, uh, three against the Marlins. So... Can DeGrom get the Mets? Can DeGrom get a good start Friday? Can the Mets support him, give him the offense that he needs? Can the bullpen get their act together and sweep this team that they probably should at least win two out of three from? At least give DeGrom the win. Exactly. Hopefully. I mean, if you look at this team now and you told me this team was in the World Series three years ago and in the playoffs two years ago, I would have laughed in your face because this team is (laughs) garbage. But you know what? Ah. I don't know anymore at this point. Let's go Mets. Final thoughts on the Mets? <laughs> they stink. This clown, this series, this weekend series, you might as well call it the clown series. Both teams stink. That's it. Battle for last place. Right. On that note, we're going to step aside for a quick break. When we come back, it is our team of the week, and we'll start talking about the Yankees and review and preview the big games today. You're listening to Review and Preview here on WCWPSports.org. Like we always do with this time, Good evening and welcome back to Review and Preview, folks. I am your host, Tom Scavetta. Joined alongside our co-hosts, Chris Klimazewski, James Montefusco, and our guest, Kyle Earhart. Uh, one hour down, one hour to go. You know what time it is. It's 6.05. It is our Team of the Week time. And guys, uh, this week, there's definitely a few teams from multiple different sports we can talk about. And um, Chris, I'd like to start with you here. Uh, I mean, Team of the Week, it's... It's tough. I mean, I might steal a couple of people here because, only because some of the Instagram videos were hilarious. But I'm going to take South Korea beating Germany because, I mean, yeah, beating Germany for Mexico to get into the, what, sweet, the sweet 16 of the World Cup. I haven't right. been, the yes, knockout correct. phase. Yep. Yeah, the yeah. knockout phase. I haven't really been paying much attention to the World Cup because the United States isn't in it and I don't like soccer. But I saw, what, I saw some of the highlights from this South Korea game and Germany, a team that was... Well, I think the third favorite to win the World Cup this year, and South Korea goes out and beats them one nothing in pe- in um, penalty minutes. Is that what they're called? Or yeah. e- extra time? Extra time. Extra yeah, time. Yes. Stop, stop they go out time. there. Yes, yeah, in stoppage time, and they. I, I'm going to say South Korea. And some of the, some of the videos that I saw on Instagram were just hilarious of funny. of South Korean men who were in Mexico being praised like gods who <laughs> had nothing to do with the South Korea team in general but just because they were South Korean they were being praised because because Mexico got into the the knockout stage so I thought that was hilarious and I'm going to go with South Korea as my team of the week. Uh Kyle, who's your team of the week? It's funny cuz uh Crystal mine but uh my <laughs> my second team of the week would is still in the group. I want to go with Sweden uh Mexico has been dominant uh, the first two games. Beat Germany, the best, arguably the best team in the world at the time. Came out against South Korea, destroyed South Korea. And for Sweden, just to stick around, hang around, and come out yesterday and just 
beat destroy Mexico the whole game. I was watching the whole game. Just absolutely destroyed them. Don't have Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Doesn't matter. They still win. So I got to give it to Sweden. Come up clutch and got a little lucky. And Mexico got a little lucky with Germany losing to South Korea. But in the end, they're in. So that's all that matters, right? Yep. Good pick. James. Tampa Bay Rays. Yeah. Put the beating on the Yankees. Yeah, and they've won... I believe they've won seven they, out of their last ten. Yep. Uh, it, was nice. it, was, it was good to see them sweep, considering, where is it? They are 14 and a half games back mm-hmm. to sweep the Yankees. All four. Yeah. Uh, kind of quiet those Yankee fans for a little while. Just saying. <laughs> I'm going to go with the Arizona Diamondbacks, only because of how competitive the National League West is, and they still sit atop of it with a somewhat uh, comfortable three-game cushion over the second-place Dodgers. Uh, they're on their heels, though. They have the Dodgers on their heels. But they, the Diamondbacks have won eight out of their last ten. Uh, they took three out of four from the Marlins. They swept Pittsburgh. And then they split with the Angels. So, you know, a lot of interleague play. Um, I think after the sweep, uh, excuse me, the split with the Mets, which should not have happened, they should have taken at least three out of four from the Mets. Mm -hmm. They've really, they've come back from that with a vengeance on the road this week, and they've won multiple games. So that'll wrap up our Team of the Week segment. Two baseball, two soccer. I like it. Remember, last week I went with Croatia. So I'm like, I can't do soccer two weeks in a row. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Lighten the mood up a little bit here. Uh, the, New, the New York Yankees. Let's get to the Yankees. Uh, the good team in New York, right? Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Uh-huh. Well, there are no Yankee fans sitting here in the studio right now. Um, they were swept by the Rays this past weekend, and they were 2-4 and four on their road trip. So they've lost four out of their last six. Unfamiliar territory for this team. Kind of like the 8-8 eight and eight start they had to start the year, and they're back down to second place. Fine by me. But... Their record is still 52-26. and 26. I think 29 other major league teams would take that in a heartbeat. I know I would. Yeah, uh, especially if you're the Mets right now. That would, <laughs> that would put you in first place by about seven games. So <laughs> Yankees now half a game back after last night. Um, look, they lost the Phillies 3-0 last night, but Effin looked great for Philadelphia. Love him, picked him mm-hmm. up, fantasy team. I understand no Aaron Judge in the lineup, but a lot of guys are struggling right now. Um, And um, it just really hasn't looked great as of late. It's looked okay, but you should be playing better than you have been. Uh, The one bright thing I will say, though, about this week, you guys see Aaron Judge playing catch with that kid, the Instagram videos? Yeah. Yes, pretty yes. awesome. Yeah, he literally mid game. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't hate Aaron Judge as much as Mets fans, uh, a Mets fan should. Right, but I do like Aaron Judge, and that was he literally made that kid's like life almost. Because how many people can say they had a, they had a catch with a Yankee right fielder? Yeah, outfield player in general. Like so, he literally made that kid's life, right there. I will admit, I somewhat like Aaron Judge as well. Yeah, yeah I don't hate Aaron Judge. I don't. It's a Mets fan saying that. Yes, yeah, yeah. like, you know what? Because I think it's just we stink so bad and don't have anyone good on our team <laughs> besides uh, Thor and Degrom. Yeah, you, you might have to like look for other teams. Like back in the day when it was like Jeter and Sheffield and Bernie Will and Posada, I didn't like any of those guys. But like this new age of Yankees players, like I don't hate them. Like I don't hate Judge. I don't hate Torres. Like do you? I like I really don't hate anyone on this team except no. for uh, 
I, actually, no, I really don't hate it. Maybe Sanchez. Maybe this I don't like. If I, if I had to pick someone, I don't like San- Gary Sanchez. If the Yankees <laughs> won the World Series this year, I wouldn't hate it. No, I would. I definitely. I would. wouldn't like it, but con- considering who else is up there, I don't want to see Houston win it again. Which they probably will. I don't don't want to see the Red Sox win it. No, I don't I, know. See, I, I, I would I, rather see the Red Sox over the Yankees yeah. any day of the week. I'd rather see any other team over the Yankees except for the Phillies. Mm-hmm. The Phillies, the Yankees. One of those two, if those two teams win the go to the World Series, I'll. I don't know. I'd probably agreed. because I'm sur- surrounded a lot of surrounded by typically around a lot of Yankee fans. So. If the, if the Yankees do win the World Series, I will go to the parade in, in Mets gear, but I will go to the parade. Right. Probably get drunk. Yeah. But um, you know. <laughs> I will be at the Yankees game when they play the Royal CC Sabathia bobblehead night the, the day before my birthday, actually, which is a month from today. Uh, so that should be an interesting night. Um, but here's a few problems with the Yankees right now. Their rotation right now, guys, it's Luis Severino, and then it's everybody else. Yes, yeah, Severino, your Cy Young candidate, yeah. twelve and two, ERA just over two. Um, another good start this week by him. There's no rotation. Tanaka's back throwing. Yes, that's a good sign, but he could be out within a week. It's yeah, Sabathia, German, Gray, Lasaja, and uh, yeah, Lasagna, Lu- um. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Luis Sessa. Yeah, I mean, Sabathia hasn't. Pitch terrible. I no. mean, what he's he has a sub four ERA, so that's good. I mean, right. Yankee fans can live with they can live with Sabathia, and he pitched great in the in the postseason last year. So maybe maybe they they can hopefully get a repeat performance. And Gray has been okay. Oh, Gray's been terrible. Don't don't. Well, you, his you, last you, couple you, starts you, have been okay. You, you're pushing it with okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you look at his last couple starts, they haven't been bad. He's going six seven innings. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, but the. They ha- Look, I'm telling you now. He's better than Gurman, I'll tell you that. He's better than Gurman, and Johnny Lasagna hasn't been playing bad either. <laughs> I'm, I'm, never, I'm not going to get his name. His name is Lasagna to me. So him and Herman haven't been pitching terrible, but those aren't playoff guys. Right. Those aren't guys who are going to help you out in September. You need to go out and buy a pitcher, whether it's Cole Hamels, Patrick Corbin. I don't think they'll... I think the Chris Archer market is nowhere to be found because he stinks. What about J.A. Happ from the Blue Jays? He's pitching all right, too. So, I mean, it won't surprise me if they send him off and even stock up even more for that. He's emerged as their top starter. Yeah, that's not good. (laughs) (laughs) That's not good for the Blue Jays. Just saying. But, look, I mean, if we're going to talk about the Blue Jays for a hot second, their farm system is incredible. I mean, I think they have, what, four guys in the top 15? And, and Vlad Guerrero Jr., who we all know can hit the ball, and who won't crushes it, man. Crushes it. Yeah, I can't wait for it. him to. I can't wait for him to come up next year. And but anyway, back to the Yankees. Yeah, they have to go out and go buy someone. They're gonna, I think Andujar is going to be traded at some point. And sad as it is, because they have Drury in the minor leagues right now, who's killing it. Oh, yeah. He's he's probably the saddest. Triple A player right now because he's killing in Triple A. Can't be a part of this. Yeah, can't be, can't be a part of the Yankees team right now because there's just no space for him. Neither I mean, could Clint Frazier up until yeah, two two weeks ago. Yeah. Exactly. It's the Yankees have a did such a good job right. rebuilding their farm system that they have good guys just sitting in the minors right. who who are MLB caliber players and like like Clint Frazier and Brandon Drury. And I hate to say this, they're expendable to cure a potential weakness on this team because right now. I'm going to pick the Boston Red Sox to win this division, and here's why. First of all, they have not seen the best out of Chris Sale yet. I think Chris Sale will have a better second half than Luis Severino. I really do. I think we've yet to seen the best of Sale. I'm not saying Severino's going to pitch bad. He's still going to pitch great, 
but I think Sale is going to top that a little bit. And Boston has a more consistent bullpen. Yes, Batances has been great as of late. He has not given up a hit since June 6th. It's been fantastic. Jeez. Name a Met player that has not given up a hit in like the last week. Um, Maybe Tim Peterson, right. but that's even pushing it. He hasn't yeah. been up that long, I don't think. Um, <laughs> I just think Boston is a little bit more consistent. Their rotation is better. Uh, Porcello, Rodriguez is 9-2, and two. Chris Sale. Those three guys have been great. The Yankees just don't compare. That's why they got to go out and get an arm. But that's my philosophy there. Despite Severino, who was throwing 100 miles an hour in the seventh inning mm-hmm. the other day. That's incredible. A lot of people don't, can't do that. He's, Even Syndergaard can't do that. He's been the best consistent starter in the American League since the start of 2017. Yeah, he has. And I said it earlier in the year before the season started. I wasn't I wasn't sold on Severino because last year yeah he had a good season, but the year before that he stunk it up. Like right. you saw him coming up and down from Triple A. But I'm eating my words here, and he's 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 got me. I mean Severino is lights out anytime he pitches. I mean, I think he he's definitely up there for the Cy Young. I mean if Verlander does if Verlander stinks it up somehow or uh, or Garrett Cole or Corbin uh, not Corbin um like Kluber. If they stink it up somehow. Severino's going to be right. I think it's one, two. They're all right there, right, right on top of each other for the for the Cy Young race. Right. Um, now, Severino to wrap up on him. Twenty four starts of one run or less since twenty seventeen, and that's a lot of starts. That's He's almost great. half a calendar year. So, that's been incredible for them. Yankees offensively, the current number they're at. We're in a. We're going to count this down for the rest of the season. The number to beat is 264 home runs mm-hmm. by the Mariners in 97. Most home runs by a team in a season. Yankees are at 127. They'll, do, they'll beat it. Through 78 yeah. games. Um, they're just about halfway there, mm-hmm. and we're just about halfway through the season. They, I think they will do it. Judge and Stan are not going to slow down. You see Stan's heating up a bit. Stan's right? just starting. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. The, I, um, I heard the stat the other day. It was last year. Judge, not Judge. Stan hit thirty-one home runs the second half of the season. Something, yeah. something crazy he's, like he's that. He's been a second half guy for he's, a while. Yeah, he's always a second half guy. And Judge, I mean, you can potentially have eighty between just Judge and Stanton alone. Yeah. And it's not you're not counting how good Glaber Torres. is. I think I take the over on that. By the way. Uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree with you there. And you're not even counting Glaber Torres, who I think is going to hit 20 plus, and Duhar, who's going to hit 20 plus. Sanchez, when he gets back, he's he'll 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 probably maybe hit 30 because he's what he's at 15 right now, 16 around so. that. Didi, yeah, Didi exactly. He'll hit 20 plus. Hicks, Hicks, he'll he'll hit 15 plus. 15, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah, 15 plus. Uh, Gardner, he'll hit 10 plus. Right. And if they can ever just get, I mean, who knows what Brand and when Brandon because Brandon Drew is getting first base reps right now. Don't too. forget Greg Bird. Greg, ah, I'm done with Greg Bird. He's the <laughs> he's the he's the Travis Darno of the Yankees. Right, but look, um, they're they're on pace. And yeah. Gian- Giancarlo Stanton is hitting four thirty two. Yeah, with a seven ninety five slugging percentage mm-hmm. in his last eleven games and four home runs, four in, four four dingers. Yeah, and in, in the month of June, he's hitting over three hundred, and he's up to nineteen despite how awful he started the season. Fans were booing him out of the stadium in the home opener, so uh, not ideal. But he, he's he's back. That's what I hate about Yankee fans. They get their paintings in a wad yep. when they, when it doesn't go their right way. They're like they're like toddlers. 
If they don't get, if it doesn't go their way, right, if it doesn't go their way, if it doesn't go their way right away, they start crying and moaning, and you know what? And so they were like, "Oh, let's boo Yankees! All oh, the season's over. We're nine and nine. Oh, you relax, Yankee fans. He's fine. And look at him now. He's fantastic. Judge is fantastic. The Yankees are fantastic. Relax. You guys are gonna make the playoffs and be happy. Mm-hmm. You go deep in the playoffs. Exactly, yeah. deep in the playoffs. Right. Yeah. Like chill. ALCS. Um, I'll guarantee that. Another yeah. thing about the Yankees, and Duhar's gotten really cold. Sanchez is hitting barely 190. Yeah, barely 190. But the, the only, the only, the only thing with Sanchez is he's got the power. He's got the RBIs. That's mm-hmm. the only. That's the only reason he's still in this lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, no idea how he's second amongst catchers in the in the American League. That's why I told you, fan vote Pop, stinks. Popularity, <laughs> yeah. it's it's bad because he's a big name. He's a big name. He's not been producing. It's kind of like Bryce Harper. Yeah. So well, everyone was expecting Sanchez to have this almost MVP like season with this year. What you saw last year, I mean, I was I was like, yeah, he might, but I mean, thirty something home runs. Yeah, last 30, year. yeah, yeah, thirty something home runs, and he was killing it last year. But now he come in this year, he's injured now, unfortunately, with a groin in, uh, hamstring injury. Right. Yeah, hamstring injury, and that's gonna nag him all year. I mean, every athlete knows that a, a hamstring injury never heals right, especially yeah. when you come, especially if you come back. Uh, too quickly, so I think the Yankees are going to baby him when he comes back. I think definitely just let Romine do his stuff at catcher because he's not awful. I mean, he's not good. I mean, I'll I'll, I'll take Romine on the Mets. I mean, yeah, but I think uh, I think having Gary Sanchez out of the lineup right now, it's not that big to the Yankees, but it's definitely that pop that you t- you're taking him at what was he bad four in the Yankees lineup? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean you have ju- taking him out. It's not that big of a deal, but it kind of is almost. Right. Um another thing too, they call him Red Thunder. Clint Frazier has been great. He's hitting 333 since coming up. Uh, love love what Frazier. he's been doing giving Gardner some uh quality rest cuz this is a long season. Yeah. And Gardner is around that age 33 to 35 window where you start to slow down a little bit. Uh, for most guys, not all. Um, but, yeah, the Yankees have looked okay this week, and the test is really this weekend. At home, in the Bronx, against the Boston Red Sox. Sox. Arch nemesis. Yeah. Uh, let's preview Friday night's game. CC Sabathia, 4-4 four and four record. ERA, a little over 3. will be taking on Eduardo Rodriguez, 9-2. and two. Advantage, Sox. Is, wait, is, is, is Rodriguez a lefty or righty? I believe Rodriguez is a lefty, if I'm not mistaken. I'll take the Yankees. I will definitely. I'll take the Yankees in that, just because he's a lefty. Stanton and Judge both kill lefties. Clint yeah. Frazier. Clint Frazier's. Uh, he's a righty, right? Clint Frazier. Mm-hmm. He he'll he's been playing fantastic too. So I'll, Rodriguez is a lefty, just to confirm. Yeah. So I'm gonna take. I'll take the Yankees in that. In that. And then that game one. Right. But, but any other game after yeah. that, because I'm pretty sure Johnny Lasagna and. Uh, Domingo Herman are uh, pitching, right? No, Severino's pitching this weekend. Against who, Sale? Against Price. Against Price, and then Saturday. How's Price doing this year? I don't even know. Sale and Sonny Gray. Uh, Price is doing okay. He's 6-6. He's not pitching great. What's his ERA? Do you know? His ERA, I believe it's a little over 4, I want to say. Um, I think the Yankees are going to win this series. I definitely think that. I I think so, but Rodriguez has been super impressive. It's just there's a level between being impressive and then playing the Yankees on the road. Yeah, true. The home field advantage will go to the Yankees. They have the bats to win this series, uh, but so do the Red Sox. Don't count them out. It could be a nice slugfest. It sure can. 
Uh, we know what happened last time the two teams met back in May. Uh, the teams are 3-3 three and three against each other this season. David Price actually has a lot of Yankee jokes. I don't know if you guys have heard them. He, uh, he's uh, having a dwindling relationship with the Yankees. <laughs> hmm. um, he, um, you know, he, his relationship with the Boston media just keeps getting weirder and weirder and, and weirder. It's kind of like he's not sure if he belongs there. Um, the Yankees have always given him trouble. In uh, 39 career games against the Yankees, his ERA is just under five. So keep that in mind for tomorrow night, uh, uh, Sunday, excuse me. But, uh, yeah, so we'll figure that out this weekend. Um, look, Saturday's going to be interesting, Sale versus Gray, and then Severino on Sunday against David Price. Who's going to win the American League East? Do we want to uh, try to answer that question right now? Uh, I, if, if, if it was right now... It's going to be the Red Sox, and it's just because the Yankees don't have a starting pitching rotation. They have Severino. You go down from to CC, and that's just garbage. Right. If they do make, they will. Well, did not do. They will make they a move. Will. They will make a move for a starting pitcher, and once they do that move, I think the Yankees will win the the East mm-hmm. because think about it, they're what two games behind the Red Sox without a good uh, good rotation. Right. They they trade Frazier, they trade in Duhar, they trade uh, Florio, and even if they bring up Sheffield at the end of the season too, he could help out in their rotation too. So I think once they make the moves that they need to make, the Yankees will win the East. As sad as it is, as my fan, and the Yankees would have to play in that brutal one game wild card matchup against maybe the Mariners too, yeah. right? Which could be a one and done, which we talked about last week, potentially ruin the postseason. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are pushing for guys like Corbin, Hap. Even you can throw the Grom and Syndergaard in there. No, for, I won't. I for, won't for the sake of it. Look, I, yeah. I mean, you never know what the Yankees can pull off. You that, never know. But look, if 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 I was Rico, uh, Manaya, and the other guy for the Mets, I would want the house for one of those guys. If you're not giving me Clint Frazier, Miguel and Duhar, Justice Sheffield. And uh, Florio, right. don't even don't even send anything over. I, I, if I'm not getting four of those guys and more, don't even send anything over. I don't think Manaya, Rico, and Duquette would be able to pull that off. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly no. too. And we didn't mention it with the Mets too before trading Degrom and Syndergaard. There's always been rumors now, and now that we heard today that um, everyone's on the table for for right. trades possibly. I don't think with those three guys and Sandy Olson not leading the charge. That they're not going to pull off a big deal like that, yeah. you know, because it's not. You have three minds, three great minds too, because you had Rico, mm-hmm. who's been Shanley Alston's uh, assistant forever. You had um, who's the guy that's not Manaya? Du Duquette. Duquette. Yeah, he Jim was. Duquette. Yeah, he was the GM for the Blue Jays, and Manaya was a former uh, was the former Mets GM too. Yeah. So, and he did great. The Mets. He did great stuff with the Mets. He he basically built that 2015 World Series team. So, it'll be, I just don't think DeGrom and Syndergaard are going to be on the plate. As, But I really, it's, I don't want to talk about the Mets. All right. Well, on that note, we'll wrap up the Yankees. Um, and let's go over quickly some of the games today that happened. The D-backs were playing the Miami Marlins. Um, that game finished up earlier. Try to get a final score on that game quick. And it looks like right now we we have a game in the bottom of the twelfth actually between the White Sox and the Twins. They're tied one to one. 
And the Diamondbacks did win today 4 nothing, So they continue to uh, surge. Granke got the win and proves to 8-5. and five. I think the Diamondbacks are going to be buyers, too, at the deadline. Yeah, they can be a huge threat. They won the National League wildcard game last year, so look yeah. out for them this year. Uh, Rockies and the Giants, bottom of the eighth inning. Rockies lead 7-6. Bases loaded. Bases are loaded for them now. Um, big game in that division between the NL West. Um, Cubs against uh, LA won 11-5. The Cubs beat the Dodgers 11-5, um, so LA... After beating the Cubs last night, they lose tonight. Um, C-Sheck improves to 2-0 for the Cubs. And another game going on, I believe this one's starting a little bit later, the Angels and the Red Sox, right? Uh, yeah, 7-10 seven, seven. p.m. start. Um, again, another good contested game. And then we also have the uh, Nationals and the Phillies. Tanner yeah. Rourke against Aaron Nola, who, by the way, has been lights out this year for the Phillies. He'll be on the All-Star team. 9-2 record. Love some, I love some Aaron Nola. We go back to my fantasy team, okay? Yeah, he's been great. <laughs> um, and then the Astros and the Rays. You know, this is a good game to watch because the Astros, the uh, right now they're the alpha males of the American League. And then you have... The Tampa Bay Rays, who are really hot. They've won eight out of their last ten. And um, interesting pitching matchup. Lance McCullers Jr. has been outstanding since the World Series, since the uh, playoff run last season. So those are some of the games to watch out for tonight. All right, that'll do it for baseball. Uh, We're going to step aside for a quick break. We're going to recap the NBA draft and go over free agency. You're listening to Review and Preview here on WCWPSports.org. This is Review and Preview on WCWPSports.org. I feel the master. I feel we it. Y'all ready? ready. ready. Well, come on. We come on. Ready. Ready. Y'all ready? We they ready. ready. Welcome back to Review and Preview, folks. I am your host, Tom Scavetta. Join alongside Chris Klimazewski, James Montefusco, Kyle Earhart here in the studio. A reminder... For those of you folks watching and hopefully listening somewhere, you can call in with your questions, thoughts, comments for the next 15 minutes, 516-299-2030. Podcast will be up tomorrow. You can hear us on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, slash iTunes. Give us a listen, shout out. Um, Let's transition to basketball now. The NBA draft is last Thursday Mm -hmm. night, right when we left the studio. Mm -hmm. And we were actually talking about that, uh, the ongoing um, process of the NBA draft rounds one and two. Uh, interesting stuff to talk about. Um, as we predicted, we got the top three right, um, and we actually predicted the trade right as well. Let's get to that quick here. DeAndre Ayton went one to Phoenix. Great pick. Shocker to anybody? No. 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 Mm-hmm. Number two, Marvin Bagley the third to Sacramento. Great pick again. Much needed. He can play with Cauley Stein. Cauley Stein. You got De'Aaron Fox over there. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if Vince Carter's coming back, but... <laughs> Um, no, I'm, I, no, I take that as serious. My, one of my f- best friends, he's a Sacramento Kings fan. And I was like, oh, look, I love the moves you guys did over the offseason. You bring in Vince Carter and uh, Zach Randolph as mentors to these, these young guys because th- that Kings team is very young. You got De'Aaron Fox, you got Buddy Yield, right. Chloe Stein, Scal, I don't know how to pronounce Le- his last BCA. Yeah, LaBCA, yeah, him, yeah. all these young guys. And you bring those two guys in there to help like almost mentor them. Right. Almost. And I, I really hope Vince Carter does come back to the – and now, but you add Marvin Bagley, and this team is right, that team. A couple good. years, give them, give the Kings a couple years, and they'll be good again. Number three, Luka Doncic, 
Uh, eventually got traded to the Mavs for Trey Young. Great pick. Mm-hmm. Great. great. I thought it was great. Number four, Jaron Jackson Jr. Another yeah. big man. Uh, very a big dominated draft. Um, the modern big man, I should say. Where'd he um, go? Memphis. Memphis. Memphis was the number four. And then five, Dallas picks Trey Young, but the trade with Atlanta sending Trey Young to the Hawks and then Doncic to the Mavericks to play with Dirk Nowitzki. Number six, Mohamed Bamba. Love this move. Freshman out of Texas. Um, the Big 12 Huge. is a very tough conference mm-hmm. to play in, but Texas was in a lot of games this season against teams like Kansas, Texas Tech, Kansas State, because of the presence of Bamba. Bamba Bamba's interior. a great guy. I thought, honestly, I thought he could have went way higher than what he did. I mean, people had him slipping in the draft, people had him going earlier. I think he'll he'll fit great with the Magic. I mean, you saw how the Magic developed their centers with Shaq and yeah. Dwight Howard. So I think Mo Bamba is going to be – I love him. He's probably one of my favorite players in this draft. The next pick I really liked a lot too. Uh, the Bulls take Wendell Carter Jr. at mm-hmm. number seven mm-hmm. to play with Laurie Markkinen. And I'm not sure if they'll be keeping Robin Lopez or not after that. Ah, <laughs> probably not. But, I mean, even if they are – if they do, Robin Lopez isn't awful. No, he's not. He's not awful. No. And I understood people were questioning the move, like, oh, maybe they should have went out and got someone else, blah, blah, blah. blah. But it makes sense because you have Markin in there already, who's who, who all rookie first team, who had a great season last year. And you have in point guards, you have Chris Dunn, who still has plenty of potential in him. Zach Levine. And you have Zach Levine still, too. So I think right there, I think this young, this Bulls team, you get a couple more pieces in the next couple of years, and they could be a scary team. Yeah, they're yeah. Uh, on the rise rather quickly now, I mm-hmm. think, um, with Fred Hoiberg at the helm as the head coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, number eight, Colin Sexton went to the Cavs. I know Chris was hoping the Knicks didn't take him. Uh, he got his wish there. <laughs> Colin Sexton to the Cleveland Cavaliers, a team that I don't know what's going to happen with Cleveland next season, so we'll see. Uh, the Knicks take Kevin Knox at number nine. Not a fan. I mean, no, let me. I don't know that. about that. I think it was a good pick. Let me rephrase that. I don't hate the pick, but you had Michael Bridges sitting there, and Michael Porter Jr. I don't hate Kevin Knox. I think he's. I think he's a great player. I think he can. Flourish, I think he can flourish with the New York Knicks. But when you had Michael Michael Bridges sitting there, who I think is better than Kevin Knox, and Michael Porter Jr. Yeah, I get it. No one really knows what what his deal is with his injuries. But if Michael Porter Jr. does pan out and like stays healthy, he's top two talent in this mm-hmm. draft. He, he If he stayed healthy all year in Missouri, he easily could have gone one or two in the draft. So the Knicks had the number nine pick. Can Knox crack the starting lineup this season? Yes, he will. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I 100% agree with I can, that. I can see the starting lineup right now. It's going to be uh, Moutier. It's going to be uh, Hardaway. Hardaway, Knox. And if Porzingis is healthy, Porzingis. And if Cantor opts back Cantor. in, it's going to be Cantor. Well, yeah. Which isn't, I mean, on paper, it's not a terrible lineup. News about uh, Ennis Cantor, actually. He um, is leaning towards exercising his 18.6 million player option. Yeah. Yeah, I showed that earlier too. Isn't bad. I mean, he deserves it. I think he had a great, he had a good season for the Knicks last year. So, my thing is this: Noah's got to go. Huh. Courtney Lee has to go. I, I don't. I, I understand that Courtney Lee's got to go, but if he's coming off the bench, I don't mind it at all. Unless you want to restructure his contract. But Jarrett Jack's got to go. Yes, yeah, I see what you're saying go. about Courtney Lee. Um, he's going to come off the bench. Courtney Lee's going to be the sixth man for the Knicks this year. I don't know about Frank Nitalikina and what's going to happen with him. Trade him. 
trade him. Yeah. I'm not a fan of Nilakina. I wasn't a fan of when he when we drafted him last year. When we could have had, oh, wait, you know, Dennis Smith, Malik Monk. I hope Beasley Mitchell. comes Donovan back. Donovan Mitchell. Who? I, I hope Michael Beasley comes back. Yeah, he didn't play awful either. I hope Trey Burke comes back, too, because he didn't play awful either. No, and Ron Baker is coming back. Yes. <laughs> Love some Ron Baker. I know Luke Cornett's coming back, too. Uh, it won't surprise me if uh, Kyle O'Quinn is traded, unfortunately. Well, he uh, he's testing the market. He's going to be an unrestricted free agent. I don't, to be honest with you, I don't think O'Quinn is coming back. I'd love to see him come back to back up Cantor, um, especially with Porzingis out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Porzingis because is going to be out for You can see a lot of small ball for the Knicks next season without Porzingis in the lineup. I can picture it right now with Knox playing the four or Beasley playing the four like he did a lot. I mean, who knows? I mean... The rumor is, with the trade talks, that Kawhi wants to come to the East. The Knicks, maybe? Da-da-da. It could happen. That's what the dra- I should have played the dramatic music. L.A. or the, <laughs> the Knicks, two popular landing destinations potentially for Kawhi. To wrap up the top ten, Mikhail Bridges was selected by the Sixers to be traded to the Suns. The Suns won this draft 110%. Oh, absolutely. I just can't believe that the Sixers, after the video of, like, Mikel Bridges' mom so happy that because she works for the Sixers, just to like let her down and just trade him to the to I, the Suns was, was a little disappointing yeah. for me. I don't know what the I don't know what the Sixers were thinking there. Honestly, yeah, you draft. I mean, maybe they're maybe they're trying to make the move to get LeBron or Kawhi or Paul George, one of the three guys. Maybe that's why they traded him, make some space for have just in case for draft picks in the future. But right. the Suns absolutely won this draft. You get DeAndre Ayton. And Michael Bridges. Yeah, Bridges. Yeah. And Bridges, too. That I looked at the lineup after, the, like, what their potential starting lineup could be after this. Give the Suns two years. They will make the playoffs. I guarantee it. Tommy Mack, if you're listening, write that down. Well, he is watching on Facebook Live, so hopefully he does. We'll see if he comments in just a moment. Um, now, the, the Knicks, yes, they got Knox at number 9, and then at number 37 in the second round they take Mitchell Robinson. Um, a guy who was committed to Western Kentucky, but he did not play his freshman season. Yeah, Knicks I, take him. I was looking up this what what he why, like why he didn't play in college or whatever, and it was just like personal issues. Like he just didn't like yeah. he just like I read what I read was like he was planning on going to play basketball with Western Kentucky and like China or something for like a like a league tournament or something like that, and he just never showed up after that. Mm-hmm. Like he never just even showed up to the, like get on the plane or whatever. Right. And this kid was, uh, what I saw was a top 11 recruit in the nation when he was in high school. Mm-hmm. So people are saying this is a steal in the draft. That he, if, the, if he's developed right, he can be a prototypical star for the Knicks. And I would, I mean, I would love to see that. So my, my problem is this. Yes, if Porzingis is healthy, the Knicks can make a run at the playoffs. But this team is not going anywhere substantial for the next few years because in this generation of the NBA, you need a second star on your roster. And mm-hmm. up to bottom, unless one of these two rookies break out, odds are you're not going to have Porzingis to start the season. I mean, he's rehabbing great, by the way, but I don't know. If he's not there, you don't have one. St- I mean, the second best player on the team right now is Tim Hardaway Jr. Who would you say the first is? Or, or, oh, Porzingis? And then the, third, yeah. the okay. third would be Cantor, and then the fourth would be Beasley, in my eyes at least. And then you got your Trey Burks, your Boutiers, your Courtney Lees. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see who starts for the Knicks this season. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets um, had three draft picks, 
First time in forever. Surprisingly, yeah. they made some trades to make up for the death trade a few years back with Boston. Uh, they take Zanin Musa out of Croatia, number 29. Another international guy in the second round at number 40. Rodion Skuruks from Spain. And the 45th pick is Hamadou Diallo out of Kentucky. Uh, I know the Diallo kid was a high recruit when he was in the college, so hopefully he can develop into something. But, I mean, the other than the first guy they took in the first round who was talking mad smack to Kristaps Porzingis already. Musa, right? Yeah, Musa, whoever that guy is. But, I mean, realistically, mm-hmm. I mean, after the 10th pick, really no one pans out. It's yeah. very rare that people in the late dra- late first round and the second round pan out to be good players. I mean, you see it every couple of years. You saw it last year with Donovan Mitchell. Dante. To Don- the Bucks. Him. Um... Oh, yeah, Dante DiVincenzo. I love that pick. I thought that was a great pick. We were skeptical about him going to the draft, but I think he's going to pan out fantastic in with uh, Giannis and um, Thonmaker over there. Yeah, absolutely. And Chris Middleton. Mm-hmm. Now, free agency starts in a week, less than that, July 1st. Sunday. Sunday, uh, Sunday, Sunday. There's already been trades. Dwight Howard traded last week to the Nets for Mozgov. Uh, Great we'll trade. see if Howard stays with the Nets or not. Um, the well, Clippers trade Austin Rivers to the Wizards for Marching Gortat. Great. That's a great trade. And you know why? Because it's op- it opens the, right, the door right for Boogie Cousins to go to Washington. I love the trade. Uh, I think uh, Gortat is going to – I think he's going to do good in uh, – L.A., I mean, yeah, he's got DeAndre Jordan over there. But, I mean, you have those two guys in your lineup, and it's not terrible. But even though this is a three-pointers league, it kind of stinks. But, I mean, Boogie Cousins right to the Wizards. Sign me up for that, honestly. (laughs) I might take my fanship down to Washington if that's the case. (laughs) You get Bradley Beal, John Wall, and and, um, Boogie Cousins. That's a great team. Now, about the Clippers, I, I... I have this theory. I think they should move to Vegas. I really do. The two teams in L.A. right now, the Clippers clearly overshadowed. And who knows if Jordan is going to stay? Probably not. Yeah. It's it's really interesting to see uh, what could happen to the Clippers. Maybe a move to Ve- I know Vegas wants an NBA team. They already have a hockey team. Right, because they're going to get the Raiders in a year or two, <laughs> yeah. right? The Oakland Raiders. Yep. Yeah, so... That's always interesting. And speaking of the Suns, Chris, you talk about them winning the draft. Uh, they dumped Alex Len and Alfred Payton. They're not coming back. That clears $10 million in cap space mm-hmm. where the Suns may be able to sign a free agent mm-hmm. to add to the roster of Devin Booker, Aiton, and then Bridges, who they traded for. It's in, in your, I looked at the roster, too, and I totally forgot about some of these pieces. You have Mal, uh, you have uh, Brogdon, or Bragdon, whatever you pronounce his last name. Who's, Brogdon. Yeah, him. You have uh, Marquise Chris, who can still who can still develop. Decent. Yeah, you have T.J. Warren come off your bench, too. I mean, this Suns team is young and has tons of potential to be good. And it, the, the literally, the ball is in their court for them to be bad. And I, but I don't see them being bad because Devin Booker is, a, is an all-star. DeAndre Eaton, first overall pick, he has, he has all the potential in the world to be good. Yeah. Michael Bridges, top ten pick in my eyes. and Clearly. he got. Yeah, and he got traded to the Suns for basically nothing. Right. And this, I, I love I loved this team right now. The Suns yeah. are great. Mm-hmm. Uh, other news around the NBA. 
Paul George opts out with the Thunder. Yep. Um, very interesting now because I brought up last week how Paul George is not a large market guy. Can he potentially go to a big market team and play, you know, with LeBron or Kawhi or whoever, try to build another super team, maybe in L.A., maybe in Philly? Tommy Mack says the Suns will make the playoffs in two years. The notebook is out. <laughs> Some things don't change on the show, you know? Nah, it was good. it's good to know Tommy Mack's still listening in. Love you, Tommy. But um, back to Paul George and where he's going. If you guys want to follow me on Twitter, it's at it's at Chris underscore Clint fifty six. I make my I made my predictions today on where Kawhi and all these players are going to go. Yeah, I have Kawhi going to Philly. Shockingly, mm-hmm. not shockingly, but I think he's going to go to Philly. I have Paul George going to the Lakers, and LeBron going to L A. Well, L A. Not the Lakers. LA in general, you know, I don't know which team, but he will be in LA. Well, you have said that for a few weeks now. It only makes sense because he has, he literally has a house in LA. His son, his kids go to school in LA, and his son is playing on like a, the great, like a great, uh, I don't know, PAL. I don't know what they call it anymore. I don't play basketball, but they, he's on like one of the best traveled, I guess, basketball teams in LA. Right. It literally makes sense to go to LA. Yeah. And then once. Kawhi goes. I mean, Kawhi, and even even if even if I'm wrong, Kawhi goes to LA too. Kawhi's going to be there. Yeah. You're going to have him, Lonzo, Kawhi Leonard, Brooke Kuzma. Lope, Kuzma, Brooke, Kuzma. Oh, uh, I don't think Kuzma will be there if Kawhi's there. Randall. You'll have Randall still. You'll have a uh, you know, bunch of guys. So, right. LeBron has requested um, for Kawhi to look into LA. Yes. Will LeBron follow Kawhi to LA? Who knows? We'll find out. Um, but did you also hear what LeBron? I mean, I saw this from Stephen A. Smith. Uh, LeBron reached out to KD about maybe joining the Lakers. Yeah, I also <laughs> saw that. I also saw it wasn't true. Okay, <laughs> no, I saw that. I wasn't. Uh, I, yeah, I saw no way KD leaves. Come on, fake news. Fake, it literally <laughs> was fake news. But I, I, no, James, I agree with you because I saw. It, I was like, oh my god, here we go again, talking to people, texting people, and then I get the update like maybe two hours ago. I said. LeBron did not talk to KD. I was mm-hmm. like, what, what's going on with the world? Like, <laughs> yes. What fake news? Oh. Donald Trump? I don't know. In terms, of the ca- <laughs> in terms of the Cavaliers and LeBron, maybe LeBron ends up staying loyal and maybe he stays. Uh, Is it likely? Uh-huh. Probably not. No. But you got to give that option out to LeBron to stay with his hometown. The Cavs want to keep Rodney Hood, Larry Nance, Kevin Love. Those are three guys they all definitely want for next season. Definitely not enough to sway LeBron, uh, one way or another, at this time. Um, I, I mean, if I mean, he could stay in Cleveland. I mean, you get you drafted Colin Sexton, which which the uh, Cavs really need. They really needed a point guard, which they didn't have. And yet, if you if LeBron comes back, that lineup could be could be nasty. You mm-hmm. have um, it, the only thing is Tristan Thompson just stinks. That's their problem. I really think it is. Yeah. But if you have LeBron come back to Cleveland, it's going to be Colin Sexton, LeBron, Kevin Love, Tristan Thompson, and then probably Rodney Hood. Mm-hmm. Then off the bench you have Corver, uh, JR, JR, Jeff oh, Green. Jeff Green still, uh, Jer- uh, Greg Hill. I don't think it's good George enough to be Hill. Boston, though. No, no definitely no. not going to be Boston. Mm-hmm. Not no even close. Boston, it's going to be Boston and uh, Philly in the finals next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Time, Mac, uh, write that down. <laughs> Another free agent, Marcus Smart, likely not returning to the Celtics. would be a fool not to return. Um, look, Irving coming back, Rozier, Brown, 
crowded backcourt, smart. I mean, he was a great player for them in the playoffs, part of the reason why they went as far as they did. Uh, the guy's never had his head on straight. Brad Stevens has tried uh, challenging himself, mentoring that for a while. So smart could be a potential piece as well, under-the-radar guy. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, um, but you have a bunch of guys like that, like Marcus Smart. Even t- I think, what, Rozier is a free agent or no? Or is he just trade? They talk about trading him. They've been talking about trading him. Trading, but, okay. Yeah. But I like Marcus Smart. He definitely, I don't think he's uh, good enough to be a starter, but you have Marcus Smart come off the bench, and that's pretty good. I love Marcus Smart. I think he can flourish on any other team in the NBA. So it's going to be very shot- good, good to see where yeah. this goes. This free agency and trade this offseason for the NBA, it's going to be very exciting to see what happens, where LeBron goes, yeah. where what happens with Kawhi, where yeah. Paul George goes, where DeMarcus Cousins goes. If KD doesn't sign back for the Warriors for some odd reason, <laughs> yeah. why he wouldn't. Um, it's going to be very interesting. Well, speaking of teams, we talked about the Spurs with Kawhi Leonard. They have uh, promoted their assistant coach, Becky Hammond, to the front of the bench, replaces James Borrego, who's with the team for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the first female coaches in the NBA. I like it. Yeah. I like, it a lot. I like the move, women's rights and all that stuff, you know. <laughs> but um, what was I supposed to say? I don't know what I was about to say. You'll get back to your thought in a moment, Chris, I'm sure. Um, last block here on moves in the NBA, uh, Adam Silver, five-year extension through the 2024 NBA Finals. My opinion on this, he's a great guy at heart, but he's so soft, man. He just mm-hmm. he, He's soft. I, I Personally, my honest opinion, never really liked him that much. Yeah, same. Uh, I, I really don't care for him. I just think he's plain... N- nothing special about Adam Silver. Um, yeah, he's just there. I mean, he's better than um, could be Goodell, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah could be Roger Goodell. Goodell. I mean, I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, everyone likes Silver. Goodell, he just gets booed at every yeah. second of the day. Yeah. You li- I remember an interview with uh, Dana White. Dana White had an interview, and they were like, "Would you want the uh, NFL's uh, be the G- uh, the commissioner of the NFL?" He was like, "Hell no, I don't want that. That yeah. man's life is so stressful; it's not even funny." And it, it probably is. I mean, we don't know what Goodell has to deal with every day, but this man constantly gets booed every time mm-hmm. he walks up to that podium awesome. for the NFL draft. It's so funny. I'm booing him from my, from my couch in the living room. So. <laughs> so a couple nights ago, the NBA gave out the awards for the 2017-2018 season. Ben Simmons wins Rookie of the Year. Did not deserve it. Donovan <sighs> Mitchell coming in second. Ben Simmons, a.k.a. not a rookie, technically. Yeah. That, that, I, I don't even say that's the reason why he doesn't deserve it. I just thought that if you really look at the teams – that they both played with. Donovan Mitchell really played with the Jazz. Not a really superstar caliber team. He had, what, Ru- Ruby Gorbett? Rudy Gorbett. And he that. was the face of that team. Exactly. You Donovan, looked at Philly this year, you looked more at Embiid than Simmons. Yeah, exactly. There was more players around Simmons, too. You had Embiid. You had uh, Saric. Um, Mark L. Fultz. Redick. Went, Redick and you Hanfield. played in a weak Eastern Conference. Exactly. The Jazz played in a stacked Western Conference after losing Gordon Hayward. To free and agency. made the playoffs. And, right? Yeah. They yeah. took it to the Thunder. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, so, Greg, if you're watching <laughs> uh, or listening. But, um, you, you yeah. know, I really, I'm not a fan. I, I don't cra- I love Ben Simmons. I don't cra- I don't knock his game at all. He's a great player, whatever position he's playing. He's he's a mini LeBron almost. He just needs to find a jump shot. Magic Jr., maybe? Magic Jr., yeah, exactly. Power Le- forward, playing Le- point. Le- Le- <laughs> yeah, Le- Le- he's like LeBron Jr. almost. Right. That's what he is. Except yeah. doesn't have a jump shot or doesn't shoot a jump shot. <laughs> yeah. 
Exactly. But do I believe that he should have won the rookie of the year? No. No. Mm-mm. I thought it definitely should have been Donovan Mitchell. Same. And, I mean, once we get to MVP, uh, the this is almost like the people's right. champion yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. Because with when he, it would rather say James Harden, yeah, James Harden, excellent year. Mm-hmm. On paper, he's the people's champion. But the, if you really want the NBA MVP, LeBron it's LeBron. LeBron. Le- I saw. I saw. I didn't know. I thought James Harden had a great season, and he did. When I saw the stats side by side, I did not realize LeBron blew him out the water in, in every statistical in category. Literally yeah. every statistical category. I was just like, how did LeBron not win this MVP? LeBron played every game. Harden missed what nine or ten games. I understand yeah. if you sit him a couple times, but. He he missed about a tenth of the season. Yeah. yeah. If if you're looking at it from a logistical standpoint, and LeBron only got 15 votes compared to uh, Harden's 86. So uh, we'll go around the horn quick here because we got to get through the, through the rest. Um, MVP Harden or LeBron? I go LeBron. Chris, you go LeBron. I'm right? going with LeBron. And, I, and this is coming from a, a guy who is not LeBron, a fan of LeBron either. Clean, clean, LeBron. Yep. Clean, yeah. yep. clean sweep there. Um, Rudy Gobert, Defensive Player of the Year. I think there's no argument there. I mean, you could you could have made the argument Draymond. for. Oh, I was going to say AD. Drummond. No, Davis. Uh, yeah, Anthony Davis. Oh. The brow. I was I was going to say you make well, the, you can make Davis, the argument for that. Davis was kind of the third guy uh, brought up for MB, MVP consideration. Yeah, but I mean, I'm no. I mean, I definitely think Gobert definitely deserved uh, it. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Excellent player. Lou Williams, Sixth Man of the Year. For the Clippers, I thought he could. I thought it could have went to Eric Gordon, but again, not mad with this at all. I thought Lou Williams was very good, very well deserving. This I don't even think is arguable. Victor Oladipo, yeah. most improved player for yeah. Pacers, hundred percent, hundred percent, incredible seasons of emerging into a star. He already is one. Yeah, already uh, a star. I mean, and you could see that Russell Westbrook definitely taught him well, and you saw the way he played in the finals. You saw a little bit yeah. of Westbrook esque. In him, and the worst decision the NBA made was naming Dwayne Casey Coach of the Year. How does this? I don't understand how exits in four games to LeBron James. The man gets fired. Mm-hmm. And isn't, he, <laughs> isn't he with the Pistons now? He's with the Pistons. The man got fired from the from, from the Raptors and wins Coach of the Year. I don't understand. Personally, I think it should have been Brad Stevens. It should have. It yeah. should have been Brad Stevens. He finished third. Yeah, he he finished third. Well, he had the second most first place votes. But Snyder finished ahead of him in the standings. Quint, Quint Snyder had 21 first-place votes, so he technically finished second. Look, um, I think without a question, if the Celtics beat the Cavs in the playoffs, Brad Stevens had, would definitely win. But just because right. I think just because yeah. he didn't get there, it's that point. But he coached the, he coached for his life almost. Like he, like he was losing his job almost for some reason. He coached the heck out of the playoffs. He did. Because Jason Tatum... Looks like he's been playing in the NBA for years now. Mm-hmm. Rozier has been flourished. Marcus Smart flourished. All these guys played fantastic, fantastic basketball in the playoffs, and they came one game away from going to the finals, and that was with without Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward. So James and Kyle, who do you guys think deserve Coach of the Year? Stevens. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I can see why they gave it Dwayne Casey, because. Isn't it, it, I don't know if the, I know the NHL is different, but uh, does the NBA count postseason too for coach of the years or just regular season? I think it's postseason. It is okay. They well definitely. then, okay, I, that I didn't know. So then, then I then I'd probably give it to uh, Stevens. But Dwayne Casey did have a hell of a year with Toronto. Yeah. 
Yeah, he fair, did. Yeah, for sure. for, yeah, in the regular season, obviously postseason. Different. Yeah, he definitely. He just can't beat LeBron. That's in, at the end of the day, he can never beat LeBron with Toronto. So yeah. Uh, moving on from NBA, we'll end the show with the World Cup and one factoid on the Giants uh, with one of their players. But um, the World Cup group phase ends today. The knockout phase begins Saturday. Yep. Uh, the storyline here is the consistent reoccurring motto that the team who wins the World yes. Cup does not advance past the group stages the following season. And another strong case of that there, um, Germany, 4-1 to one odds to win the World Cup, is knocked out um, via a 2 nothing loss to South Korea. Germany finishes 1-2. and two. They are done. Sweden and uh, Mexico. Mexico was the benefactor off the South Korea 2 nothing win over Germany. Guys, mm-hmm. who had Germany winning this whole thing? I don't like soccer, so I wasn't really paying attention. Well, uh, <laughs> I watch a lot of soccer, and I'll, to be honest, I did not think Germany was going to win this whole thing. Uh, I, in the end, I had France-Brazil, but uh, the way it stacked out and uh, the group stage end, uh, looks like now I'm going to probably have Spain versus France if France can finally figure out how to score because <laughs> that's something they can't do this whole tournament. For some reason, that team yeah. is stacked can't find a way to score. I mean, if I had to pick at the beginning at the beginning of this thing, I probably would have picked Germany, honestly. I probably would have picked yeah. them to repeat. So, good thing I didn't wasn't a betting man on this. Well, Mexico got very lucky. Yeah. Survive in advance is the phrase we're using no, that term. In love, I'm lo- uh, I'm loving Mexico. <laughs> the goalie looks like Ted Mosby from How I Met Your Mother. I love it. <laughs> Ochoa, right? The yes, goalie. Yeah, Momoa I love yep. lo- no, what this what's crazy about this Mexican team is that they're they're literally like they're playing great they're playing like Tom like you just said survive in advance and who they did they get they got uh, beat up by Sweden yeah, Sweden yeah Sweden right yeah so I mean but they're they're in the they're in the uh, knockout round so I mean the land of Philip Lundgren you know what I love too about this Mexican you team? see Phil they, snap story yeah he's <laughs> Sweden but this Mexican you know what I loved about their celebration too. They literally caused a seismic eruption. Yes, that the yeah. that the Richter was. Yeah. I think it's the Richter scale from my yeah. science yeah. nerds yeah. out there. <laughs> yeah, they literally caused a seismic eruption on the on the. That's how loud they were. I'm like, wow, that must be crazy. And I kind of give Mexico a shot against Brazil in the round of sixteen. Why, yeah. why not? Why not? I mean, I know Brazil's looks great, but this Mexican team's fun to watch. Yeah. They're fast, counterattack. So well, Brazil looked a little iffy against Switzerland, but. The last two games, they've looked strong. I, I like Switzerland, too. Switzerland's such an underrated team, just like Croatia. Mm-hmm. Croatia's yeah. a really good team, a really fun team to now, watch. before we just head off to this, I want to get – I don't really – haven't been paying attention, but your take on uh, Portugal and uh, Argentina. That's the one Messi plays for, right? Yes. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. What, how do you think they're going to fare? Uh, I don't think Portugal's going to beat Brazil. Uh, I don't think Portugal's going to beat France. Uh, Ronaldo's the best in the world, in my opinion, but I don't think he's good enough to beat a very good French team. And I think what Messi just did uh, to get his team to the group stage, I like Messi a lot to to face France in the next round. And uh, I picked France to win it all, so I've got to take France, I guess, all the way. So Well, yeah. Argentina's not going to go that far. No. That's what I'll say. But the, the trend going on here is France, they won the World Cup in 1998. Um, they were eliminated in the group stages 2002. That trend continued in 2006. Italy wins the World Cup 2010. They don't advance past the group stages. 2010, Spain wins the World Cup. Four years later, 2014, they're out. Same trend for Germany now. 2014, they win it all. 2018, do not advance past the group stages. So this weekend will be interesting. Yeah. Uh, See what happens. 
uh, final thing here in our last two minutes of the show. Um, Giants defensive back Janoris Jenkins. There is a dead body found in his home in New Jersey. Um, his older brother was arrested. William Jenkins, 34 years old, charged with aggravated manslaughter. Um, the victim was Roosevelt Renee, 25 years old, a family friend who was their music producer. Apparently, that's what it, that's what I heard. It was like their music producer. It's crazy. Um, but yeah, that's because um, we had a little another technical malfunction <laughs> there. Quick, um, <laughs> another bad thing for the Giants. Yeah, um, yeah. But hopefully, this can this distraction can wipe away. Look, it it's. I don't even want to talk about Winston and the Uber driver incident, as he's going to be suspended he's for the first such three a fool. games. I love it. And he publicly apologized for that as well. But uh, yeah. we'll see what happens with Jenkins there. Um, on that note, any final thoughts before we sign off? The Mets stink. Yeah. That's an ongoing trend that I'm sure we'll be talking about for the next few and weeks. And let's go England. Win the World Cup, baby, for Nick. <laughs> All right. On that note, on behalf of Kyle Earhart, Chris Klimazewski, James Montefusco, I'm Tom Scavetta. Tune in next week to our show. You're listening to Review and Preview here on WCWPSports.org. Good night. Like what you hear? Here's how you can let us know. Give us a call at 516-299-2626 or email us at info at WCWP.org. Like us at Facebook.com slash MyWCWP and leave a comment or tweet us at MyWCWP. We welcome all kinds of feedback. To directly support the podcast you just enjoyed, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like to give back, visit WCWP.org and click the support tab. Thanks for listening from your friends at WCWP.